0: hello 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 it's good to see you say
1: hello
0: welcome to the huskies hockey podcast the the number one resource to remind you that there's always a shoulder to cry on whether it's mine whether it's andrew season ends it's always always the worst part of the year. Ends a little bit sooner than it would like, but uh, a lot further than I thought it would be. So I guess um, I don't know. Uh, uh, some good, some bad. What's what's the uh, the is it the Doris Day song? Casera Sarah Yeah, there we go. So that's that. That's kind of that's kind of how I'm feeling. A little a little. Why did it have to be Bob? Like, that's just the thing. Ah, uh, so that's it. flared anyway, up
1: no. the 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 resentments. I feel like they've I've done a good job repressing them. They flared up at the last thirty seconds of that game, and then like the little post game "f yeah" that he he did after they after the final horn. Anybody but Minnesota in the Frozen Four. That that's that's my rooting interest. Uh, it, my rooting interests go, I mean, there's similar to last one, a
0: one B, one C and four.
1: <laughs> it's similar <to> last <laughs> year where there was a bunch of heels in this frozen four as well. Um, so my ranking interests, these could sh- shift a little bit, but I'm going Quinnipiac, BU, Michigan, and then a meteor to strike the <laughs> Amelie arena in Tampa. Those are my four read rooting interests. But yeah, uh, a bittersweet way to end the year. Uh, and yeah, the, the Moscow factor didn't help. The Bryce Brodzinski factor didn't help. That, um, that sort didn't of Tied help. to the Moscow uh, resentment. Um, so, but, you know, as you said, it, it was a good season. You went out swinging against the number one overall seed uh, in a, From what I could tell on TV, at least, pretty good atmosphere, well attended. Uh, It It the regional record in Fargo. Yeah, you were in the building.
0: I was. I suppose we'll get
1: to the um, to the actual game, but I just wanted to. I am curious as to what you, how you thought the in game atmosphere was, the experience watching it from the from the stands. What did you, uh, what did you and Teresa think?
0: Now, now you you've you've been a CSU traveling fan. So you I retired you, that
1: moniker, right? Oh, I mean, this year yeah. I went to two trips, which is pretty good for me, but that's the most yeah, trips I'm, I've taken in five years. But
0: this has been my first away game in a long time. I don't even remember the last away game that I've been to. Um,
1: Like, would you even count a Mariucci trip as an away trip? Yeah, I would. And you have thought so I, I, I thought that you have been to like a Mariucci game, like in the last couple of years.
0: No, not in the last couple. That's what I'm trying to trying to think. I've had obviously the opportunity to because you know uh, tickets have been easy to come by uh, there as of late. But it's yeah, it's it's always you know I I haven't been up to Duluth in quite a bit. I haven't been to Mankato. Um, God, no, actually, Mankato is probably since we were in the NCAA or um, NCAA. W- uh, WCHA in the WCHA. Oh, uh, it's all alphabet
1: soup. But St. Thomas, there's a there's yeah. a short trip for you. Maybe next year. Seems like yeah, to play them every year.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's um. So this was like the first time I've been to what felt like an away game. I mean, yeah, St. Cloud had a section and a half of of red, but I mean, it was I I broke down the percentage. I would say eighty twenty. Um, Or maybe even 80, 15, and 5% North Dakota fans who were probably still rooting for uh, St. Cloud. But, um, yeah, the atmosphere itself, it it was good. It was just interesting because, and Teresa actually pointed it out, and how I'm not, like, a normal fan, apparently, when it comes to hockey, Um, whereas I'll... Kinda say what I feel about a penalty, you know. If I feel like it's not really a good call, either way, I'll say that's ah, that's not, not a great call, or or it's like, oh, we got lucky on that one, or yeah, that was clearly a hold. I don't know what everyone's complaining about. Oh wow, God, did these Gopher fans complain about the refs? <laughs> like it was just nonstop about, and I'm I'm just thinking here, and I'm like. I guess the big difference between me as I'm watching is that, like, if I don't see a penalty, I'm kind of like, well, I didn't see it, so I can't have an opinion about it. I don't assume nothing happened. It just wasn't where I was watching. So uh, that's where I was like, no, I didn't see it. But, you know, I'm kind of always going to give the benefit of the doubt to the ref. So you actually had on some of the calls that St. Cloud got in favor of, Probably had a better angle than I did, or at least had the ability of replay. Um, was wh- how when you looked at it, how was the officiating? Was it?
1: I thought it my favorite, little, I, I thought they were calling a little too many penalties. The uh, I thought St. Claude got the benefit of a couple of calls. Um, there was one, there was one each way, like the um. Pull up the box we're here to remind me, my, my remind myself as far as who, which penalties they were, but I know that the, like that that Nye's nice penalty, which I believe was the penalty that led to the Ingram goal. No, yes, no, yep. it was the.
0: No, that was no, the that's nice right. Penalty. Yep, that's yep. right.
1: That one I did not see, and I didn't see a replay of it, Um so I can't. Don't really have much of a uh, opinion on that one. The. Hit like hold where he kind of like took down. I can't remember if it was Mietnin in the corner. You're talking about Gopher fans complaining. There was one Gopher fan in the press box, Ben Clymer, who somehow thought that wasn't a hold, which I mean, it's like a wrestling maneuver. I don't know how that's not a hold. Uh, so I thought that one was kind of an obvious call. The f- It must have been the Faber hold in the first. I didn't, I thought that was a light call. And then the Miller hook in the second period, that was like I, I don't feel like there was much of a penalty there either. The Cooley slash right after the Ingram goal, and that's a bet when a lot of girlfriends are like geez again. Um, and I didn't I didn't see it at first either, but he, they play a replay and he basically chopped chopped him right in the nut cup. Uh, Jeez, that should have been a, I mean that's a dirty kind of hit. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd give like three of the penalties, two of which went in for St. Cloud's favor, and then one that resulted in a gopher penalty or power play. I would have said those were sort of overcalls, but the others were fine. But yeah, so in, in general, I thought a couple of too many penalties, um, and that was a factor in the game because St. Cloud did convert on that one power play, but didn't convert in the other four, which I mm-hmm. thought was a huge swing, uh, but... I could see the Gopher fans being a little angsty, but at the same time they did get one penalty a soft call go their way as well. So
0: my my favorite is somebody somebody yelled out something about like how SESU is trying to pay off the refs and I just I just kind we, of showed it we can't even we're, we, we're, yeah like we can a afford
1: it we're in a situation where we're not being able to take <laughs> plane trips for non-conference games we have to go to St. Thomas and Bemidji and Mankato every year because we don't got the budget you think that we got enough time to slip uh, Joe Smith money uh, under the table to who are these ECAC refs like are you high uh no I I, I I like where you're thinking but uh, yeah, there was a phrase like if we could, between, we would. <laughs> it's, it's much more like, like incompetence is a much better uh, rationale than a conspiracy. There was a better phrasing of it, but it's just bad reffing. Not yeah. the, not the tinfoil hat theory. So,
0: and I mean, when you're talking about that also, you know, Huskies go one for five on the power play. Um, By hell or high water, they were going to do that one timer. <laughs> and frustrating and i and i i get it it's effective but you have to realize when close is anticipating it so quickly that he's sliding over and that one timer is hitting center mass like you got to do something else they're anticipating it too much you can't just keep trying that over and over
1: so yeah, yeah. it was we that we talked a lot this year about power play issues which sounds weird to think about because this was basically a top 10 power play nationwide throughout the year but yeah. i i even struggled to explain what my issues were with the power play and i think it boils down to they just didn't have a plan b yeah. uh, and the plan a was quite effective for for what it was you know 25% ish power play throughout the year and that plan a was this cycling cycling the puck around to either Cranola or Miettinen sort of at the face off dot, sort of that area became their office on the power play. Uh, And it it was an effective power play, but there was a lot of times where teams were defending it well and either those shots would be blocked or goalie would be seeing him well. uh, And, just an un- inability to have a second option or a second game plan on the power play. They, they need something where it's like a crash the net type of situation, not just relying on uh, shots from the dots and beyond, but moving the puck around, I think more closer to the, to the slot looking for rebounds, uh-huh. that sort of uh, mentality would be a decent tool to have in their tool bag going forward. Um, so yeah, 11 shot attempts uh, on the power play. Uh, and so that's a decent amount of chances that, that they're generating, but it just didn't seem like either a combination of close, having a good night, and then also a lot of blocks, traffic in front of the net was making those shots tough to get through to him. So, yeah, that was of the keys of the game. Power play letdown um, is near the top. And just not, not being as opportunistic either. Uh, I thought a huge swing in the game. We talked about it on our last show when we were previewing this this particular matchup. Getting an early goal would be paramount for the Huskies' chance to win this game. You got the Miller breakaway. What was that three, four, yep. four, five minutes into the game? Close. saves Saves it. I feel like that is... If that's a goal, the whole game unfolds much differently. And it's just such a bummer for Miller, because it seems like that's like his career in a nutshell. Yeah. Being able to force it was a shorthanded chance, too. Being able to force a shorthanded breakaway opportunity like that. And you know, give close credit. I I I was here kind of pretty confident as far as that the Huskies had the edge in net. Close played very well. He earned it mm-hmm. uh this game. But I feel like that was a blown chance um as far as if you if you were gonna win this game, you needed to bury those types of chances. And then we we'll obviously talk about the uh the Koopka or, or
0: Yeah, or hit the uh, open net.
1: The the Koopka play, which you know, I'm sure evokes some nostalgia or maybe nightmare for like a Mark Hard it is Mark Hardigan-esque there coming in, in the breakaway uh, against Michigan. Uh, and missing the open net. Uh, this was similar because, like that play, this would have tied the game. And it wasn't too far, too too far after that that uh, that the Gophers going to get that third goal, um, which mm-hmm. was a real backbreaker.
0: That was the back, yeah.
1: And just I feel little, I feel like when finish. you're
0: talking about the you know, the breakaway or, you know, the miss net, you know, you're talking about how well, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, this is why we lost. Cause I, the gophers were a better team. They played a better game. I think, you know, so I'm not going to say that it was all puck luck or whatnot, but I do feel that for the amount, like you were talking um, last podcast about how much puck luck we did get against Minnesota state. We, we did not get it against the gophers. Um, and that obviously like, doesn't help. Was it the difference? Not really, I don't think, but if, if one of those things does bounce our way, you know, maybe, maybe things are different. We're having a different conversation right now, but, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it just wasn't, it wasn't meant to be is kind of how it, how it comes down to it.
1: Yeah. So that first period, I mean, aside from that Miller breakaway, kind of looked a lot like the the first half of that Mankato game where yeah. Gophers were um, controlling the possession. Um, Caster again keeping in the game. Does give up the first goal to Brodzinski. Um, 640 into the first period. 14 to 6 shot advantage for the Gophers and considering the miller miss on the breakaway and then the the one nothing lead figuring it was so, somewhat i mean it was all due to caster that game probably should have been two or three nothing after the first um and yeah but not yeah, feeling but I said, not feeling very good uh yeah i
0: i that. said to my wife at the, uh at the first intermission i said I realized I've called her my wife and Teresa. Yes, my wife is Teresa. That is the same person. <laughs> realized I've called her both throughout the whole thing. Um, I I said, you know, we're I'm we're we're in good position being down one because it should have been a lot worse. I thought Caster played phenomenal. Even everything he led in too. I thought he played phenomenal still.
1: Yeah, and when you get the Ingram goal uh, early in the second, and I thought. I mean, second period was perhaps the best week, best period of the weekend for the Huskies. Uh, Yeah. You had the goal from Cooley, you know, home run pass uh, that spring him on a breakaway and he, he beats caster five hole. Um, Aside from that though, I thought the Huskies controlled play in a way that they really didn't, or at least for as long a stretch as uh, in the Mankato game. And you know, but still down two to one going into the third, but you f- feeling him, you know, maybe the momentum's on your side. You're at least playing mm-hmm. better, certainly way better than you did in the first period. And, and,
0: and it was like, you've been in this position many times throughout I, the year. Like these have gone in your favor.
1: Yeah. And you're one goal behind. And as we saw, they were so close to tying it up in the third period. Uh, and Again, just the what if game. We've been we've yeah. played that so often in our history, uh you know, following St. Cloud State. But yeah, if that goal goes in, you know, maybe headed to an overtime and then anything can happen. And so frustrating that that, that play didn't go in, you know, that puck didn't go in and then and then the Lacomb goal uh after that. Kind of deflating uh, there as well and sort of salted the game away. I mean, talking about like bad breaks, even their empty netter. Yeah. From a a clear that caroms off the glass, you know, has had no. And it curled in too.
0: Right. Yeah. It curled like 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 I was because I was behind that net. So I saw the Lacombe goal and I saw the, you know, puck on end roll over and curl into the empty net.
1: And it's just like,
0: that's kind of how. It's kind of how the game just went.
1: Yeah, so it was... I mean... I wasn't... I, I, I didn't hate how the Huskies played. Like you said, it's... Mm-hmm. The opponent is the biggest kick in the nads. Because Yeah. It's, it reminded me, if we're going to compare to past miseries... Uh, this Let's one, do it. This one Let's... had... I mean, this... There's a lot in common, listeners. With, I think, the...
0: <laughs> let's all crack open your favorite bottle. Let's all let's all pass around what your your biggest misery is in Husky.
1: Comparing yeah. to past miseries should be the, the <laughs> subtitle of of uh, our not only this this podcast but our whole show. Uh, <laughs> our but, whole show. Uh...
0: My life as a sports fan <laughs> can actually be boiled down to that sentence.
1: But uh, so so indulge me a bit, but I'd say. Lots of similarities with this one to the 2015 regional uh, final against North Dakota, also at Shields Arena, where there you're obviously playing in front of a sea of green, uh, but in the same building, and Huskies actually had a quick lead in that game, sort of scored a fluky goal with Jimmy Murray um, to go up, but then UND kind of had some puck luck-type goals. Uh, Huskies played a fine game. But, UND at the end of the day was clearly better. Um, it was similar here. I, I think the Gophers were the better team uh, on Saturday, and so that's kind of the one that I'm comparing this one to the most. Uh, and because that like one. I said,
0: That one, at least it was like Brodzinski was only on like half of a ligament or something like that. I can't remember. Something was wrong with Johnny's foot or leg or something along those lines.
1: Actually, I'm not sure because he scored a tying goal against Michigan Tech the the day before. Mm -hmm. I went back to that box score, by the way. The, I didn't realize. I forgot how much Michigan Tech dominated that game. Oh yeah,
0: we were so, so lucky.
1: Whole like completely out like shot out almost two to one. The f- second period they were outshot fourteen to one, and the one shot for the Huskies was a goal mm-hmm. by your guy Cranla. Um, or uh, not Cranula, Uh, 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 Kostla. Kostla. uh yep. and uh, and then Bradzinski scores a, an extra attacker goal to tie it, and then Peterson, one of my
0: favorite uh, one of my favorite pictures. One of my favorite hockey pictures, um, I can't remember who took it, but it's Johnny Brodzinski celebrating and the background, it's all North Dakota fans with their well, jaws so that, that just goal. open. Yeah. yeah. So they weren't playing cause obviously it was the regional and the game beforehand. I think might and be right
1: though that he had some injury issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but then there was, uh, uh, um, Peterson scoring the winner after the Michigan tech defenseman took a dump at the line. If you remember mm-hmm. that he's like kind of moving backwards and then just, you know, the bottom fell out and then Peterson is off the races and they scored a breakaway goal uh, to, to, to kind of steal one there. And so maybe that factored into it too, where it's like they, they won, but they didn't, they were pretty much outplayed by Michigan tech and then going up against North Dakota in front of the North Dakota faithful kind of a de facto road game. Uh, didn't, it, it would have been a pretty big upset had they won that game. So that, that's, that's the game that sort of, I, I, it sprung to mind, um, in comparison with this one, but I, you know, the Huskies weren't embarrassed. I thought that they, they skated with the Gophers quite well and, uh, was a one goal game with 10 minutes to go in the third, like, uh, You'd love to be in that situation. Uh, uh, And so I think that the Huskies obviously didn't finish it out the way they did, but um, did have a great season. Uh, uh, I I did pick them to make the tournament. But again, how we got there and the Anhorn injury and then the February fade, the recovery with playoffs, um, it was a bit of a roller coaster ride this year, but a fun one. Uh, and, and it was, you know, not the best way to, to go out, but like I said, I'm proud to be a Husky fan after watching that performance and, and just to see the, uh, you know, the older players on this team, seniors and grad students that this might've been their last there either was their last game or might be their last game. Guys like Meyer, uh, Caster, uh, Bushy. Uh, those uh, Miller, those, those types of guys. I it's, it's, if it, it, it hits you realizing that, you know, you're not going to see these guys in a Husky Jersey anymore. So, but you, you, you have the good memories too. And so I, I, this was a, a fun season uh, and obviously not the way to end it, but like I said, I, I can swallow this one a lot easier than AIC or Ferris seven state or especially Air Force, considering the Gopher coach. And so, yeah, uh, I'm sort of rambling now, so you can jump in. What, what were your sort of um, takeaways? Not just well, from when this game, but from the season at large.
0: Sure, yeah. When you were talking about Meyer, too, um, I almost cried. Or maybe it was like almost a tear was brought to my eye seeing Meyer standing by the bench. Um just like you can tell what kind of a a person he is, um, just by the volunteer work that he does and how forthcoming he is um in the area. Um, but like just seeing him stand by the bench after the game just refusing to leave the ice i don't know it just it just kind of hit different being in the arena and just watching um and then him and uh were the last two on the ice and they kind of gave a big hug and um kind of shared a moment there on the ice so um just everything that he's done for the community done for the program it was it was kind of it was kind of tough to sit there and and watch that. So, I mean kudos to kudos to him and everything that he has really meant uh for the program. So, um yeah, the uh, the whole the the whole situation and the whole game itself it it was it was I I'm happy I went. I was a little bit, um, hesitant just to kind of go up for, you know, cause you know, I'm 38 and I've got three kids that are, you know, five and under. So <laughs> it's like being able to do something spontaneous isn't really in my nature anymore. Um, so having, uh, you know, my parents, uh, available to, to keep the kids and keep them overnight while we're able to go ahead and and uh go up to the area. It was um it was a lot of fun. I was happy that I was able to see, you know, you know, their the the seniors last game because they poured a lot into it, you know, the seniors in the fifth years. Um Micah's, you know, he he's been a joy to watch this whole time. Um so it was yeah, it it, it was fun that I was able to that um I was I was able to get up there, I was able to go and um I've never been to Shields Arena. Anything along those lines? I yeah, thought you, that was. Would you
1: a, feel about the arena itself?
0: I thought it was a great venue. Um, now, obviously, the only five thousand is a little bit of a bummer. Um, and I guess chalk one up for the regionals is okay crowd because attendance at pretty much all regionals were a, better than normal. Obviously, this one is going to be good. Um, kind of regardless, but it um you know it's just kind of one of those random years where everything kind of worked out i i guess but um the arena itself i thought was cool it was a little bit weird how it's set up just because you know they've got the arena and they've got the parking lot but like all of the bars and restaurants are still like two blocks away <laughs> like there's just still like not enough development or just a lot of open spots right around there and it's just the cold hits you different there in fargo like it was a bitter wind um, so it wasn't that easy of a walk and even the parking lot um, there's only one like real entrance and exit maybe there's two but so it's like you're just kind of crammed up there I mean it's not I guess that much different from the National Hockey Center but um, but yeah it was it was a good time I was chatting with some gopher fans right in front of me who I tried to explain to them like why I, I have the disdain for Matsko and tried to explain to them that it's not due to the fact that he left, but it's how that he left. exactly. And then the one guy, I think, kind of understood it. The other guy was a little more drunk because he kept just going back. He just kind of kept saying, but it's a better program. And I'm like, it's like, you're not really listening to anything I'm saying. So it's like, I don't know why I'm continuing this conversation, but I'll try to get you to see my point of view that, well, you know, can you imagine if, you know, you're the top overall seed? And then all of a sudden he stopped. And then my wife brought up a great point. And it was like, okay, what if, yeah, you're the top overall seed. What if you find out about a week ago that he interviewed with Wisconsin right now, how would you feel about that? And he's like, but wisconsin's not a better program <laughs> and it's like you're, you're still not getting the crux of the issue here buddy it's,
1: it's yeah the, the crux of the issue is his insecurity of being a gopher fan uh, and yeah. the fact that they need to be um validated as being the best program ever uh which i'm doing the the, the jack off sign right now uh <laughs>
0: I don't know. We have a soundbite for that one.
1: (laughs) It's not, we don't want the, uh, 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 adult (laughs) rating on this show uh, from Apple. Yeah. To me, Uh, it's like a biblical parable or like an Aesop's fable, like the, the story, which that's why, I mean, I grew up in a gopher fan household. So the fact it's like, I've, I've rooted for the gophers before. But, you know, before I went to St. Cloud, I was a Gopher. Same here. Um, uh, So on the surface, I really don't care if the Gophers would have would win another title. I just I don't it's the Moscow factor. I don't think I would say this. I'd say he's definitely a damn good hockey coach. He's deserving of he's deserving of the double pay that he's getting with the Gophers or what triple pay, whatever it is. He's Deserving of the the bigger spotlight and the sexier program with more resources, the better sweater vests uh, and all of that. <laughs>
0: and you know what? I, just, I don't think kinda... I
1: don't think he's deserving of a national title because of how of how he left St. Cloud. the The parable type here it's like man works at a man works for the underdog for builds up a program for fifteen years, and to the point where they are a number one overall seed. Uh, and then torpedoes that team's chance in order to win their national title because he's interested in this other gig with a much, a non-underdog program. That's, it's just, if there's karmic justice, I don't think he should win a national title with the Gophers. They said it on the broadcast too, like trying to get their first national title in 20 years. That's what they hired Bob Motzko to do. I'm like, really? Did did you know what his playoff record was when you hired him? I mean, it's not like you were hiring Scott Sandlin who had won a national title. It's like, yeah, we're going to hire the guy that's four and seven uh, and oh and two as a one seed uh, in the tournament. Yes. That's the guy that's going to deliver that's us the guy. those banners that we really covet. So yeah, my, even I'm getting a little hot and bothered just bringing it up right now. I, again, I, I, I just, uh, I, I feel like it would have been a completely different if he would have had just finished the job in 2018. Not even win the national title. Go to a Frozen Four. Beat effing Air Force. And yeah. if you wouldn't have leaked it out to the extent where your players, I mean, I we need this. Uh, some of this is sort of hearsay or rumoring. Uh, we've heard from certain players that it was... The the rumor was, had made it to the locker room. They were aware of the fact that that he was going to take this job, or at least more, more than likely going to take the job.
0: And the fact that there was doubt in the locker room tells you everything.
1: And I'd like to say, yeah, that shouldn't matter. You should still be the Air Force. But it's tough to have a team that is being led by a guy who they don't think is really fully invested in that team at that point. Especially a college group of college kids. I I don't think that's unreasonable to expect that that in in and of itself had a major effect on that team. Not only did it have an effect on that team, I think that the players that play for the 2019 team, the AIC year, I think that sort of effed with them too, because they had this scarring experience of, losing to the 16th seed. And it's like, we can't do this twice in a row. And I think it gets into a mental state. So it almost kind of led to a hangover for the next year, at least in the, for the NCAA experience. So it's like, yeah, you didn't need to win the whole thing, but at least. And from the Gophers perspective too, like, why did you need to hire him that day, that weekend? Could you not have waited two weeks? Like what was the, what was the rush, uh, and so I, the that whole scenario, how it played out and maybe it's like, here's my tinfoil hat conspiracy. Maybe tanking in the NCAAs was part of the deal. Like you can't win the national title as a St. Cloud state coach. Cause that makes us look bad. Even though maybe it would make you look sensible because you're hiring the coach that just won the national title. <laughs> that
0: but, is so far ridiculous. And I love it. <laughs>
1: I realize it's ridiculous, but, but at the, uh,
0: at the same time, I do feel like Motsko is probably a really good coach for the Gophers in a sense of, you know, he'll have a lot more players who are one and done or two years and they're yeah. out of there. in the pros because not
1: going to St. Cloud state. If yeah. Is, if and, there. and I think he, uh,
0: will you know really push him and get the best out of those players before they go right into the pros whereas i feel like matsuko and how he coaches and like he kind of wears some people thin or wears them down a little bit towards the end of the year you start kind of resenting him um and i i think that's where that's i feel the opposite with brett larson what we have now and that's what we need here at St. Cloud is the people who night in night out is going to give their all and play for somebody who is, um, much more of a player's type of a coach, um, who is kind of gets it to, to coach the younger generation, um, versus the whole Herb Brooks mentality that Motzko was kind of molded in. So, I, I mean, this and that's probably why Gophers are going to have the success. They're having the success now, and they're probably the odds-on favorite to win the national title right now. Although, God, BU is looking really good. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about the Frozen 4 here a little bit more next week, but um, it's, um, you know, quite the field of, I guess, Sophie's choice of just, Yeah. Who am I going to root for? I guess the, the the rich kids. I guess
1: I don't know. Yeah, I guess I mean Quinnipiac. I feel like you know they've had two national title games before. My rule is that if it's not they haven't won one yet, if it's not like St. Saint, Saint Cloud's
0: not going to win the night the Natty, I want the title far away as possible. So Quinnipiac or Boston, fine. Go have another. Go have another for Boston. Go have your first with Quinnipiac, whatever. But.
1: Yeah, I, keep it away I, I, from us. I agree, and I I think the Gophers are going to have their hands full with BU. It's a team that's pretty very that's very good. It's similar similarly built to the Gophers, um, and they're red hot. They might yeah. be the hottest team in the country right now because I think they're, they're on like a nine gamer. Uh, that Hudson they have that Lane Hudson. If we're wondering like how like the ceiling of Jack uh, Peart... I was going to say a Sean. Uh, but if you want to know the ceiling of what Jack Peart can be, look, uh, watch Lane Hudson. Because he's, again, small kind of water bug, offensive defenseman. Uh, he is their star player. He's probably going to the NHL after this. Um, after this Frozen Four. Um, but uh, he's Peart, like, times three. Something like that. And... There's time to, for Pierre to still develop into that. Uh, I'm not saying that mm-hmm. that's never going to be what he becomes, but right now, like this Hudson is is the real deal, um, and uh, so I think they'll they'll give him a a run for their money uh, in the tournament. I was surprised too, even before the Michigan Penn State game ended yesterday, especially after uh, Quinnipiac wins that game against Ohio State and and seals their. Uh, Frozen 4 uh, appearance, I just figured that the Quinnipiac and whoever they played would be the early game, because it feels like Minnesota-Boston University is kind of a sexy primetime matchup. I have to I have to think, I'd be willing to put money on the fact that Bob Motzko looks at that game time, 8.30 p.m., uh-uh, not going to work. Because they're getting the early game, which, again, surprises me. I would have thought that they were going to get the, the later game. If they're going to ask anyone, like I could see them. I don't know if they actually do this, but um, I wouldn't be shocked if they asked the high, the number one overall seed, which game do you prefer? We know what Bob prefers. Even though this Quina, uh, this uh, Canisius win, um, which was the 8, 8 p.m. start time, uh, that stretched their record in 8, 8 p.m. start time games to four and zero, and their goal differential in those games is now at twenty five to four. But, uh, yeah, he's probably he probably was like when they're like, "Do you want to play at five or eight And he goes, 8.30 a.m. No, no, it's <laughs> p.m. No, no, no. F that then. Nope. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. It's too late. We, we don't want to practice. We want to play. So yeah, they get the early game." Winnipeg and Michigan get the late game. We'll go into a more full preview of that, and we'll get to picks uh, next week. We've got the what I think is the needless week off in between yep. the regionals and the Frozen Four, so no games this weekend. Uh, it'll be next Thursday for the semis, and then Saturday.
0: Which, the well, which is National why Challenge. my my idea of the high seeds. Hosting the NCAA tournament game last week and then this upcoming week of nothingness and then the Frozen Four. Keep that the same. I don't know. Apparently that I, just makes too much I sense. I agree. Um, yeah,
1: can you imagine, like, so you're, because we, we've also felt like, or I, I've heard again some more, just have the number one seeds host the regional. Hate it. So host a four-team regional. Uh, which I would like that better than this current setup. I'll say that. Um, But what I just want to clarify for our listeners, what we prefer is just the higher seed hosts their matchup. There's no regionals.
0: Uh, Correct. That's the thing is just stop with the regionals. Although if we are completely still married, the idea of quote unquote neutral regionals, I do think you need to be married to one site,
1: or two, or three, or four.
0: Well, I mean, one site per regional, like, like have your regionals directly, okay. like every year, have them at yeah. one. So have place. a
1: St. Paul regional, have a Boston regional, have a Detroit, and have a yeah Denver. Like and, and you year.
0: can and you can go smaller. Like my idea for like the Western regional would have it in Sioux Falls. Every year. Just See, th- th- keep it th- yeah, there. Because
1: then you get into is it neutral or does it favor one team? If you have a Denver regional, for instance, that's going to be heavily weighted in favor of Denver from a fan rooting interest perspective, which cuts away at the idea of neutrality. uh It's similar like St. Paul, like less so because there's several other teams that are within shooting distance of St. Paul. Sioux Falls is like, the perfect sort of middle ground in that scenario we'll, yeah. we'll see how Sioux Falls does it next year they get a regional uh next year I'm really interested in looking ahead I'm glad that I'm like finally you know, Penn State gave Michigan all they had and I think a large factor was that they had a nice crowd in their favor in Allentown I'm thinking great we're done with Allentown regionals I'm like, till, I'm like, wait, they don't have another one coming up. Cause I know they don't have one next year. So I had to check and we are good without Allentown regionals until 2025. Yeah. So we get one year off, but then we got to back out. But then I think the next two years, they don't have a regional listed. The one regional I'm really interested in next year is the, uh, Maryland Heights, Missouri regional yeah. hosted by Lindenwood. It's in uh, it's suburban St. Louis. It's the Blues practice facility. It seats 2,500. Uh, so if you're thinking five grand is a tight squeeze in Fargo, but then again, we're assuming Lindenwood's not going to make the tournament next year, uh-huh. right? If not, who's going to that regional Who, from a fan perspective? Some will, obviously, but no one really close because, Omaha, I would venture, would be the other closest team, but they're hosting the Sioux Falls Regional. So if they make yeah. it, they're going to Sioux Falls. Uh, the Colorado teams, I still don't think that'd be driving distance necessarily. Mm, but they don't
0: travel anyway.
1: That's right. So, I mean, I wonder how, how long of a drive is it from the Twin Cities to St. Louis? Six, seven, eight hours? I think it's like six hours to KC. But well, St. Louis is on the other side of the state. It's probably like eight eight hours, maybe. So, yeah, not not going to be a easy easy one to get to for anybody. So that one's going to be uh, that one could be pretty dead. But but then again, like you know, the Bridgeport Regional was fifty percent full for their final. Under fifty percent, it's like forty seven hundred for their regional final. The place seats ten thousand. That was the worst of the four regional finals attendance wise. I suppose if you're shooting for 50%, that's only a 1,000 fans. 1,200 fans, roughly, for the Lindenwood Regional. Maybe they can get that? I don't know. But that seems like a bad idea, but at least we're not going to Allentown again. I'll say that, but... Yeah, so we would have... Yeah, we're against the idea of regionals writ large, and we would have just rather... So, and and... We would rather have two out of threes, right? You yeah, I mean games. we would,
0: but I mean, I mean we're, we're that, just talking
1: ideal yeah. situations that are never going to happen. So why not go for go for it all? Go for right? broke.
0: I don't know. I'd like to still have at least some kind of shred of plausibility. <laughs> I and I think two I out like, of three I, like is... I, I, do I, like I like series. I don't like
1: one offs. I like series. And but... and then you would like. See, like the whole, oh, you put the Gophers with the 6-11 matchup and first, like, how outrage are they now? Like, you took care of the sixth seed just fine. Uh, Yeah. So what were you complaining about? But, uh, but that would have all been eliminated because St. Cloud would have played Mankato in St. Cloud for one game, two, three, whatever. And then you would have reseeded for the second round. So then, the Gophers, if they would have won their series against Canisius, uh they would have then played the lowest remaining seed left, which would not have been say Clouda and whoever else you know, whoever else it would have been. You wouldn't have to worry about the you'd worry about like interconference matchups for the first round, but then after that, just like in the regular tournament, as we have it now in the second round, they can be interconference uh matchups so if if it all goes chalk, then you'd play Penn State at home uh, it' make more sense from a integrity wise for the higher seed to play Penn state at their barn, rather than Penn state being the lower seed getting into fact, a de facto home game
0: in the region. What it have been Cornell, right?
1: Yeah. They were the only four would... seed to win. So yeah, yeah, it would have been Cornell. Um, so, and they would have been, a, it would have been a two out of three series for that round as well. Then when you get to the frozen four, it's just, we're fine with one and done's there. Uh, I think that's our, I mean official. that's what they do for
0: conference tournaments. So right. I mean
1: that's And this this exact format. I'd like to go back, so I'd like to go back to read. You'd have to like go to like the library and pull up old newspapers cuz I don't think you can find this online. I tried and wasn't coming up with, with any success. But like what the what the conversations would have been like for them when they went to the neutral site regionals. Uh, which was 1992 was the first year that they went to neutral site regionals. Um, I'm guessing my hypothesis would be is that it's, you're not giving the blue bloods such an advantage. You're negating the advantage from the biggest schools uh, with the biggest resources ever, uh, in college hockey. And you're giving a, a throwing a bone to the little guy, uh, but I think it's almost the inverse is almost true because how the regionals are set up, it's really only the blue bloods that can put in bids for these. Whereas Yeah, I was explaining
0: were, I was explaining that whole bidding
1: process
0: and everything to, to my wife, and she just goes, Oh, so it's bribing? It's, and I'm like, Yeah, essentially, a, a, a yeah, legal bribing.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, for instance, like Union, you know, they won a national title. I mean, maybe they're not the best example because they're close to Albany, which hosts regionals frequently, but let's go with a better example, which would have been right around that 92-ish time period, Lake Superior State. We're never going to have a regional in Sault Ste. Marie or in the UP of Michigan ever. The only way that they would have a home ice advantage is if they earned it through the regular season and, and got a high enough seed that they were to host a playoff series at their facility. Whereas those kind of teams that are in far-flung regions, um, they're always going to have to travel to a facility that likely a large program like a Penn State um, or North Dakota uh, has bid on and they get some, somewhat of a de facto uh, rooting edge with the crowd. And you look at these, they did three years, 89, 90, and 91. Those three years, they implemented the exact system that we are endorsing. It was only a 12-team field then, which I would also endorse that. But that's a separate topic. Um, Especially
0: at- for this year with all the blowouts. <laughs>
1: Correct. But if you're saying it was all blue blood city and they ruled the day, that's why we had to change the system. Look at the champs those years, Harvard, Wisconsin, which I'll give you that. But then Northern Michigan in 91 and Wisconsin, by the way, who did they beat in that title game in 1990 Colgate? So Lake state hosted first round matchups in these, in these years, it, it wasn't all blue blood domination is what I'm saying. And so I don't know how we got off on this tangent, but, yeah, I, w- I would agree with the, fact, the the premise that this year we kind of lucked out because we got some good regionals that were, or at least, I mean, the, the product on the ice wasn't the best because he said there was so many blowouts. But from a butts in seats and atmosphere standpoint, Fargo was great. Manchester was pretty good. Saw that uh, on TV and showed you some screenshots. Fans were definitely into that. And, and that mm-hmm. one, again, was, I think, a, I mean, I think BU had the, the edge, uh, in fans there, but it's, you know, an hour's drive from Boston. Um, it's in a different state than both of those teams. So, you know, neutral ish, you know, and then the Penn state Michigan game, which, you know, obviously Penn state would have had more fans there, but very good atmosphere and probably the best game of the tournament. Um, it's the only one that went to overtime. It's the only one that was a one-goal game, uh, or no? It was you no? Know, the BU Cornell game also was two to one because Cornell had a a late goal there. So, but uh, the only overtime game of the regionals. So, uh, but yeah, I mean that gives you an idea that these can work, but it really helps if there are some teams involved that fans can travel to see, which we agree and we just make it easier for the fans to travel and just have them be at campus sites. But yeah, we can, that's a a topic that we like to uh, come back to frequently. So that's not the last that you've, you've heard of that, but I guess the other topic about this tournament in particular would have been the routes of specifically the, the big 10 teams. I think the saying goes something like one time is a fluke, twice is a coincidence, three times is a trend. Maybe to extend it here, like four times is a narrative. <laughs> because you had all four Big Ten teams, all of them, all the blowouts involved Big Ten teams winning by seven plus goals in their first round matchup. And. Trying to, trying to grapple with that because we just don't see these results in the tournament. Uh, There's some possible explanations. Perhaps the Occam's Razor, the easiest solution is that the Big Ten teams are really good. And maybe they got some favorable matchups with some teams that were ranked higher than they should have been. I'd like to think that this puts a... That this hurts the idea of bracket integrity that everyone sort of wrings their hands around, like, oh, it's neat. You need to have it strict bracket integrity. Well, the two matchups that were the closest seed wise so, seven nine with Ohio State and Harvard, and then eight ten with Penn State and Michigan Tech those were the two games with where the seeds were the closest, and those were just utter bloodbaths. And so maybe this is a point in the direction of you don't need to be so rigid with bracket integrity because these games can get lopsided even with the closest two teams in in the pairwise match together. I don't know if that's true, um, but I'd like to think it because that's sort of where I'm uh, at these days when it comes to bracket integrity. The other uh, theory I saw was The Big Ten, the way that they structured their playoffs, Penn State had two full weeks off before its game against Michigan Tech. Ohio State had a full week off uh, before its game against Harvard. Uh, Minnesota and Michigan both played in the championship game, but Minnesota had a first-round bye, so they had only played twice, two single games in the month of March. Michigan had to play four games because they had to play a first-round series, but that was against Wisconsin, so I'm not really sure if that even counts all that. Although, Wisconsin actually played them pretty well in that series, but do you have, do you put any credence to the fact that the extra rest was a factor? I mean, Michigan Tech also had an extra week off because they lost in the CCHA playoffs, but Penn State actually had an extra week of rest on them, so that's compelling, but then again, Western Michigan had an extra week off. They had more rest than BU did, and BU handled them pretty well. St. Cloud last year had an extra week of rest before they played Quinnipiac, and they lost that game. I bet if you go back and count up all of the instances of teams that didn't play in their their conference tournaments the week before, I bet it's close to 500. I don't think there was like an inherent advantage or disadvantage. But again, I'm trying to I'm I'm digging for reasons as to why, uh, these blowouts occurred. Do you have any, do you give any of the credence to the, uh, possible theories I threw out there or do you have one of your own?
0: Um, I, I would just go with Occam's razor on this one. Um, I, I have been, you know, I guess, trashing the big 10, I guess, (laughs) in the, in the, in, uh, no uncertain terms and i i I think anything was put to rest and yeah maybe you can say it's just a one game anything could happen but not like this it's i I think it was a little incredibly unexpected and i think maybe just the big 10 just naturally plays at a faster play pace they the games are over quicker because they only have a 110 you know one break at the 10 minute mark and 12 minute intermission so they're used to to the upbeat, and but these are things these are these games are so through. drug
1: out longer. They have longer TV timeouts, so it's and like, they're
0: conditioned for that though. I mean, I, I
1: think you're on. I think I, I was considering that as well, but then I'm like, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be the other way around? Like the fact that these 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 take longer. Matsko could have it both ways because you could either say it throws them off their regular routine.
0: Matsko loves having it. both.
1: Or you take advantage of the extra TV timeouts and shorten your bench and you have more time for your top line or lines, defensive pairings. You can play them more. You can basically get more minutes played out of your best players. If you use the timeouts to your advantage, the, the Michigan tech goal uh, coach, it's either Shawhan or Sean. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but if you're a Michigan tech fan, you're listening. First of all, why? Uh, but second of all, <laughs> tell me how you pronounce your coach's name. But he was pretty salty after the, the game. I, I, I don't doubt, or I don't blame him for, <laughs> I mean, that was the biggest swing in the miss of the tournament for me. Cause I was pretty high in Michigan tech. Same here. They, they did not look competent at all. Um, and he was bitching and moaning. He was all about nil money and the transfer portal. And it's all the rich get richer, which yeah, Penn state who they lost to has been very active in the transfer portal. Um, this year, you know, in years since, since the transfer portal has been a thing, but you look at team like Minnesota, they only lost guys in the transfer portal this year. Uh, they didn't have, they didn't pick up any guys through the transfer portal. They picked up their big talent through recruiting um, and the guys that they lost bros and Crookshank both had 30 point years for their new teams. So, mm-hmm. and you look at a team like St. Cloud, who's played the transfer portal very well uh, under Larson. Now, I expect them to be active again this year. We'll get to that a little bit later. I'd love to think that St. Cloud's a blue blood, but I'm not sure I'd, really classify him that way. I feel like it's a bit of a sour grapes argument from him that it's all about the big 10 schools flexing their power and, and exploiting these new, you know, the the new college hockey uh, landscape uh, such as it is to their overwhelming advantage. Perhaps there's something to that, but there's no rule that says that Michigan tech can't uh, get guys in through the transfer portal. So, Uh, maybe, maybe use that to your advantage um, houghton 's a lovely town uh, i 'm sure uh, plenty of uh, hockey players would enjoy playing up there so uh it 's got
0: one of the most dedicated fan bases that i 've ever lots of history seen yeah it 's if you don 't know about Michigan Tech because you 're too young listening to this podcast, they were always the most fun team to have again like come into your barn um because they'll they had the most creative chance. I mean, it's an engineering school, so they're all wicked smart. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can't really see. It, I don't I, I a, can't do a Uber, a uber accent. accent. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. So, it, it, I could try a Uber accent, but I'll just go into Fargo and <laughs> I think I made enough Fargo references and wood chippers and such a beautiful day. Um but it like I mean, they come in. They, uh, you know, the fans. I mean, this was the time when Michigan Tech wasn't very good, but they're passionate about their team. They, you know, any time that you know anyone yells that you know Michigan Tech sucks, they'll respond with "We know, we know," <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're drinking you under the table. It's <laughs> kind of how my <laughs> college experience went. Any time, I mean. The amount of times that uh, we ended up uh, doing shots at McRudy's um, was uh, was not it uh, was not a low number. I will say that in those years. So um, but yeah, I, I think it is just I mean, I mean, everyone can kind of make what they want out of the transfer portal and, you know, whatever side of it you're on, but it's you know you you use it well you can use it to your advantage and also you you gotta have some of these players have rights too especially when coaches can just at the drop of a hat pick up and leave town right um you know even before the season's over
1: and and, and it keeps coaches honest too i mean they they have to the there's always the fear or the possibility at least of a player bolting and you're talking about motsko versus larson their coaching styles just mentioned like Crookshank and Rose bolted and to greener pastures for their stat lines at least uh-huh. whereas we've talked about Larson he's lost a couple of guys but they're all fringe guys Thomas Rocco who could even find a d1 team he played d3 this year and then Lamoureux, um went to Anchorage and uh, kind of know how that turned out but you know a third goaltender on a team that uh, had already picked up bassey uh and so that was kind of a numbers game there um so the fact that he's been able to retain the players and we're getting to that season now where we don't know exactly what this roster is going to look like maybe we can transition over to kind of previewing we'll talk about this the next couple of weeks here but
0: yeah before we do that first off uh you you know you you talk about that 1990 wisconsin uh team do you want to guess who was on that team I know that's really I know I know that's really open ended. Do you want to talk oh,
1: about this now? What Ohio think, Ohio State coach Steve Rolick, Steve
0: Rolick was <laughs> was on that who is uh heavily rumored at this moment for the Wisconsin job. Would you leave Ohio State to go to Wisconsin? Wisconsin alma mater. I don't know, but I just thought that was uh interesting that you brought that up. Or at least you brought up the 1990
1: squad that that one. Do we want to I mean, talk about that? I mean, we've
0: um, I mean, I suppose, uh, we can, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Wisconsin head coaching job is, is open, uh, big program, lots of resources. Uh, they want to be competitive again after, uh, Granado just, uh, buried that program into the ground. So, um, yeah, they're kind of looking for, um, you know, kind of an established, um, hockey obviously hockey, but uh, an established uh, college coach, um, you know, that has had success to kind of come in. And, you know, a lot of columns are now pointing at Larson as one of those guys. Um, Sandlin and Carl both declined to interview. So um, it's, uh, you know, the common one that always comes up at this time is Hastings. He was rumored for, what was it, BU?
1: B U last year michigan state i think briefly i think bu actually offered him um a contract
0: so it's um but i mean with larson and his um how things have been going here um you know it's uh, wouldn't be surprising if he did interview in my um my thought at least uh by it and I think it'd be dumb for him not to interview as well. I mean, got to see what's out there. Maybe even parlay that like uh, Hastings potentially did with a pay raise here. Um, I, I can't imagine what the transfer portal would look like if that does happen. But, you know, all that speculation, we don't know what Larson's thinking. Um, and uh, we, we don't uh, really know where uh, things are going to go from here. But uh, it's uh, interesting to kind of think about and speculate about. Do you have any thoughts about it?
1: Yeah. I think, um, I, I, at this point I would be surprised if Larson left for Wisconsin, but I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but I still would be surprised. I, I think, I mean, we saw last year with the four big, big name, blue blood programs who, who had coaching vacancies, BC, BU, Michigan and Michigan state. All four of those were filled by alums mm-hmm. of those programs. Uh, Red Brown with BC, Pandolfo with uh, BU, um, Brandon Norado with Michigan, who's still technically their interim coach. I'm sure it's just a formality. He'll he'll get the full time job here uh, very soon. And then I, Adam Nightingale with uh, Michigan State. And so, I mean, I think Rollick is. If I think if Rollick wants to leave Ohio State, that's probably the biggest question for him. Um, is, is 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 Wisconsin a step up? From Ohio State. I would argue it is from a, I think so. from a hockey standpoint. Not right now, right, as far as the competition wise, but just going throughout history, um, you know, Wisconsin's won what five national titles to Ohio State's zero?
0: Six, um, I wanna six. say. They've think won they more have, national I titles. Have, I think they have won more than Minnesota.
1: They've won they've certainly won more national titles than Ohio State's made frozen fours. Um, uh-huh. And he's done a very good job with Ohio state, uh, which you know, I, I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, like seemingly kind of an anonymous program from a hockey standpoint, obviously a huge gigantic school. I think one of the top two or three by enrollment in the country. And obviously their football program is, is massive and always successful and a giant uh, in that sport. Uh, but their hockey team, you know, third fiddle, fourth fiddle, maybe, if you include their women's basketball team. I don't know. They play in their basketball arena, which uh, I, I did hear they are planning on getting an uh, on-campus facility, which would be nice for them. Um, And so maybe he's interested to finish that job there. You know, they're maybe getting a, a – I don't think that's official yet. They're, they're a new arena, but uh, um, it, it's looking – More and more likely, and maybe he wants to be the guy to, you know, be the architect of, you know, the house that Rollick built. Uh, Who who knows? But he is an alum of Wisconsin, and just based on our recent history of of big-name programs turning to alums. And he fits the other criteria that the Wisconsin AD laid out there, which, as you said, established college coach, meaning a current coach. Or at least a coach who's who's had success, maybe not currently coaching, but has had recent success at the college level. It's the opposite of Granato. I mean they they really went for the swung for the fences, hiring him because he really had no experience coaching in the college game. Coached in the NHL, but did not coach anything and no no college coaching experience and. Hence, no like recruiting experience uh, to speak of either, and so and really, recruiting the other players
0: is like seventy percent of the job.
1: He wasn't <laughs> terrible. I mean, let's put it out there. He he mm-hmm. got Ca- Caulfield there and won, mm-hmm. won the Hobie, and was able to get you know national team development players to, to commit there and, and draft drafted players, and it wasn't completely terrible uh, in that regard. Uh, he might have been a worse. X is a nose coach than a recruiter uh, coach, uh, just was not a good fit. So they're going the opposite direction. Now they, they want, they don't want to hire a, an unknown, right. You know, Granado was obviously a, a well-known name, but unknown product from a college coaching standpoint, they want someone with, with experience. They will fits that bill. Um, Larson does too. Uh, Pastings does too. Lots of lots of coaches in this conversation uh-huh. fit, check off those boxes. And I guess from my perspective, I I'm taking the Sally field approach. Like they like us, they really like us. I'm kind of glad that Brett Larson's in this conversation. Cause that mean must mean he's doing something right. You know, mm-hmm. like they wouldn't be interested in him if he was something right, up,
0: but hopefully not uh, too much. Right. So we right. keep him. So, but at
1: least he's not putting up, you know, nine and 22 and three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, He's in the conversation because of the success he's been able to um how many have wins St. Cloud. He's got a hundred plus,
0: right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So so, so yeah, yeah, I I I like I said I would be surprised if he left. Um but it's it's gonna be a worry, I think, too, the more success he has here. Yeah. It's it's in the sense of the Mike Hastings and that Mike Hastings is like the West version of this and Nate Lehman from Providence is the East version of this. So the coaches that every year where there is a sexy job opening, they're linked to. Uh, and both of those guys last year, as you mentioned, Hastings parlayed the BU interest into a raise. Lehman did the same when BC was courting him. So it's possible that and maybe natural that Larson would parlay this into a race from St. Cloud. The, 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 the real tough thing that I hate to bring up is that St. Cloud is pretty cash poor when it comes yeah, to college uh, athletics at this point. Can they, and, and, and that's to where, give him or the even the
0: stability too, or the, I mean, stability as a sense of like, you know, where the program stands in the rankings that you would be able to get the resources you need from Wisconsin versus St. Cloud it's like obviously it's the cream of the crop in terms of athletics but at the same time whether or not you can fund it anyway probably isn't uh, really going to matter so yeah it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens of it um but even if he does interview i wouldn't be shocked by that i would be like you said surprised if he does end up leaving um hope he doesn't i think he's building something uh, special here and from all accounts of what I've seen, the players really enjoy playing for them, and so it's um yeah. Hope hope uh, uh, I hope there's yeah that interest, but it fades away. the The, the quit you you would think Wisconsin, you know, even though they want to do this right, you'd think they'd want to like get a coach <laughs> with all the transfer portal moves that are going to be yeah. happening, and,
1: and yeah, it'll be quick. So. I would say by the end of like a week after the frozen four,
0: I think so coach okay. like by
1: the, yes. Well, I think the, uh, the coaches meetings, like the annual meetings that are in Florida, I think that was like the last week in April. So I think certainly by then they're going to want to have a representative there. Cause that's where they like, we'll talk about rule changes and pairwise implications and, and have their, you know, meet and greets and play golf and smoke cigars and, uh, and, and do all that good stuff. Uh, so I think they're going to want to make a move before then. Uh, yeah. so yeah. And I don't know what, I don't know if you know, when's the last time, what's Larson's contract status right now? H- did he get a extension? I mean, this is his fifth year. I don't know what his original deal was. Um, I feel like we've extended him already, but he might be due even without Wisconsin, uh, potentially being interested here, he might just be due for a raise anyway, or a, a new uh, a contract extension.
0: Um, no, two so, he he's got like five years left. He does. um I think. I think he twenty twenty one. I think we signed him to a seven year deal. Seven that years
1: after that Frozen Four appearance. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that makes sense. Well that that makes it makes me feel a little bit better. uh He's yeah. not sort of in a lame duck situation here at St. Cloud. So, well, I a, it. it, it in my eyes give him a raise anyway, but this is a program that you just can't shell out the bucks willy dilly. Um, yeah, unfortunately. So let's hope that let's hope that he, uh, he stays, uh, that goes without saying it would be a big loss. So, um uh, but yeah, I'm thrilled for him that he's in the conversation because that means we must have something good. So,
0: so I realized we're, you know, an hour plus into this podcast. Um, what did we forget? Well, it, it, did you have a player of the game? Did you want to say anything more about the Minnesota oh, game? <laughs> Does,
1: are we doing pogs or are we playing, are we doing pals? We just doing, I mean, doing the player I, mean game, I mean, it'd game?
0: be pog, which by the way, um, we have to do an error correction. Well, I, um, I know where you're
1: going with this because I saw it at the grocery <laughs> store, not pineapple. It is passion passion not, pa- it is passion. Do we seriously have someone that, uh, that <laughs> sent in a correction? Because yes. that's awesome. Oh,
0: it you. was, it was actually go Huskies woo, <laughs> And was, and was very upset in my DMs that we got that wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm
1: like going to buy. even, even uh, called it
0: by, like, it's, like, other name.
1: What I'm going to buy it because I, I saw it today. I'm going to buy it, um. A, a carton of it, and uh, send a picture, and then you can send that to Go Huskies Woo. I'll
0: have <laughs> L- a glass of it. Laliko? L- apparently well, the one is. that I have,
1: it's it's actually called Pog. Um,
0: yeah, but I I, I guess Lalico is like the other term for passion fruit. But
1: okay, yeah, because it's like the 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 Pog's game like originated in Hawaii, which is I think mm-hmm. where the Pog juice originates as well. So it's got Hawaiian origin, so that makes sense. Yeah. But I was gonna, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was gonna bring up. We should have a new new segment where it's context free corrections. So if you (laughs) didn't listen to the podcast before, we all we would say is we just have a correction. Uh, POG actually stands for passion fruit orange guava, and people would be like, Why (laughs) did you ever? Gotta keep them coming back. So, yeah, so if we're just going Pog...
0: And then they'd be like, did I miss that last episode? And then have to re-listen, exactly and that, that boosts, boosts our numbers,
1: right and ahead. then we
0: can get Grampied
1: back. Got it. There we go. I, I'm telling you, I, I've been hitting the pavement. Them and Gritty St. Cloud. <laughs> and St. Both, both of them have been uh, ghosting me. and I'm getting fed up <sighs> with it, so... Man. Hopefully, with these summer podcasts, it seems like it seems they're working on a a new
0: line that starts at the back of the Lincoln Depot and it goes all the way down to Gopher Bargain Center, and then it ends at Bubba's. I don't think it's I don't think it's Bubba's anymore. Actually,
1: I don't know what it is. I mean, with Grandpa, they keep saying like. We hit our we, we do a real big ad blitz for, for in September for grandparents' day. It's like just, just ah. get us back for grandparents' day. Grandparents' day. Grand- I'm telling telling okay. them, like September is the oh is the abyss in college hockey. Yeah. Like nothing going on, man. Like there's grandpas and grandmas every day. There we shouldn't just have one day for grandparents. <laughs> it's every day of the year. So get so, in the spirit of things. So, but
0: yeah. Any anything else, uh in regard to uh the the, the Minnesota game? Um Again, beautiful arena. Um Well, are it, we doing was, a pog? It was cool if you want to do a pog, go right ahead. I actually do not have one for Go Huskies Woo. Um
1: I think I'd probably still go with Caster. Um cuz I think he kept He's it. the only
0: reason why it was this close,
1: which is I weird will to say out, on a 4 to 1, but I will shout out. I thought Okabe um was kind of dynamic. Um he had a lot of jump. Like there was a, a, a noticeable sort of energy boost maybe he had some grand paid, um earlier in the game who knows <laughs> grand junior they they have the junior version but um there was one sequence There's some there listeners
0: something. that we picked up throughout the season that are like why do they keep bringing up this grand
1: <laughs> hey fingers crossed that they'll be well versed in grand paid ease uh soon so just keep listening and they'll figure it out mm. but yeah I'll I'll uh, sort of my one B, uh, for the pog would be, uh, a Um, but yeah, I I'd say caster for, for the, for the one a.
0: Gotcha. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to say, like, I have a different perspective being there. Um, you know, you don't hear the names, you know, repetitive of, of that. You just kind of have to go by memory of that sense. Like I said, like, I, I did think caster played really well for his send off. Um, for his final game uh but ingram scoring the goal um yeah um That's i do i do think um i thought chronolo was a little bit hit or miss i thought there were times when he was you know incredibly well there were all the times he kind of misplayed the puck and it was like he was just kind of off but um yeah i thought also um I was actually as, you know, far as the grinder type kind of, I thought, uh, he played, you know, I thought he was noticeable out yeah. there. He had, he had, he had some good energy, but I'd probably go Ingram with the goal. And I've been really impressed with his development too. Now we yeah. can kind of transition to, you know, maybe they're coming back or who yeah. might be leaving. Um, you know, we do know, um, Al Apple, Al, Al Appleby, uh, and on Twitter, a Huskies insider And noted breaking news extraordinaire um, uh, Confirmed that Peart will be back um, And I think Russo also a few times was like Nope, he's going to stay down for development Which is, I think, a good move for him Now, yep. obviously, like when uh, toloski signed We were kind of blown away That yeah. this was just out of nowhere He wasn't ready um, Peart, I think, is now As the season had gone on you you you, you're starting to see okay he the game's starting to slow down from him he's starting to become more dynamic now i don't know we we don't know Anhorn's status he does have one more year of eligibility um i think
1: that's the one that i I, when i was in omaha one of these guys that i went with he's like he he can't come back to st cloud something showing me like larson one of his coaches shows where it wasn't even clear to me if what larson was saying because like I always thought when he came in, he played two years at Union, and he didn't play the 2021 season because Union sat the season out. But that year didn't count anyway, if played it or not. That's these. That's the COVID year that you get the exemption from. So there's two years there, and he played one year here. Means he should have one year left. There's some schools like the Ivies getting the problem where they don't for a graduate student. They don't do like athletic. You can't play on their athletic teams if you're a grad student or something like that. So that's why, like, guys like Casey Dornback um, transferred from Harvard to Denver. Ivies are sort of at a disadvantage when it comes to grad transfers because they're unable to. And I think that's even. They're at an advantage in
0: everything else in life. So I think they're okay. Just
1: listen to the rest of the sentence before I uh, say that. (laughs) But um,
0: let me make my joke
1: and that's even exempt from, so what, what the transfer is now you get one free transfer, but you can also do the graduate transfer is a one-time thing too, that you can do in addition to the undergrad transfer. So um, if you're a grad student playing a fifth year, you can get, you can do another year with a, you can have another transfer year. So, but I don't, I remember when that senior night, when he was, he, went out and they were in the crutches and he did the thing of the shotgun thing with the, with the crutch mm-hmm. and horn did. Um, they, they mentioned his major was liberal arts, which I didn't even know was a major. I thought that was more of a field of majors. Um, But that means like, so like, like there are some majors where if St. Claude doesn't offer that as a grad program, then you'd have to go somewhere else. But I took Uh, history classes as a grad student that's a liberal arts field so I don't know why he couldn't find some sort of uh, field of study in grads in grad studies uh, in order to keep playing at St. Cloud so but and then I'm trying to find like confirmation on whether or not he can come back to St. Cloud here and I can't seem to find it so I think I think he's available to come back But I do not know. I cannot verify whether or not that's true or not. So, um, and from what I heard from Larson, I'm not even sure if he is sure of it either. So, that's obviously the first sort of big domino. Hopefully, we'll figure out soon here whether he has eligibility and whether he can come back to St. Cloud for that eligibility. Um, I I think so. But you want to know whether or not he's going to be available as soon as possible. Because that, Mm -hmm. that will... Play into your future decision making. Like if he's not available, then you might want to pluck another D uh in the transfer portal if you can. Uh, but if he's back, then yeah, having Anhorn and Pierre back, uh, and then Lukey and um, the freshman that we saw this year, Wiley, Reiners, um, Zemer will be back, I believe. Uh, so Meyer's gone, Bushy's gone from the back end, at least. Um, by the way, one quick. Tangent. I I, I beat myself up for not bringing this up when we previewed the Mankato game. Here's for for some wordplay fans out there. Dig this. St. Cloud to Mankato, in that game, each team had a player named Brendan, and then their last name was a synonym for Harry. So you had Brendan Bushy and Brendan Furry for Mankato. When is that ever going to happen again? Who, who else is going to even think about that? Me, raising <laughs> hand. And they're both done. They're like the same age too. But Brendan too <laughs> is just the weird. It's not like Mike. It's kind of an obscure name. I like mean, it's
0: it's becoming more or less and less obscure of a name. Brendan's. Not, I would say Brendan is now pretty common. I, would, you I think, think you can Brandon actually accredit that to a step-by-step uh they were one of the kids in step-by-step Step, always comes back to
1: 90s sitcoms right? why wouldn't it it's exactly have but ever... yeah furry's gone have you and watched step-by-step Step
0: lately it's on hbo max i highly recommend it. it holds up
1: they're never gonna play another college game so there would be no possibility for me ever to bring that up again so i needed to throw that out there but god where were you defense did so, yeah. they
0: did they ever check each other
1: did one of them check the other one, and did. then you
0: would just have a I I guess a, a, a furry that's a, bushy.
1: That's a big ball of hair. Just, <laughs> just right there. Just right just... <laughs> there.
0: The Brendan hairful.
1: <laughs> they should play on like the same ECHL team, <laughs> um, and then 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 they could do like a, a promotion with that. A promotion. They could like, hairy go, night, on, like a, a barber shop. You know, like they would. You could tie
0: that into like eighties hair band and.
1: They the, should have gotten like uh, some nil money out of that. Like, You can tell me there's a St. Cloud barbershop that could have used a Brendan Bushy uh, endorsement deal. Like, come on, let's make that happen. Like
0: what? Sports clips.
1: Yeah. There you <laughs> go. Perfect. Just, just perfect. Right, now I got to look at the, uh, the incoming roster, or at least the recruits for next year to see if we have any good, like wordplay uh, opportunities, because you know, I'm here for that.
0: Yeah. But, well, that's very true. If only we had a finger on the squad.
1: (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) you're
0: talking about defense, right?
1: Yes, I think so. So, um, so yeah, uh,
0: I I, like I don't even know when it comes to I mean, like when it comes to incoming or whatnot. I mean, there's so much that can be done with the transfer. I mean, obviously, I worry about centers. But if you let's start with defense here first.
1: Anhorn, I think is the first first domino to
0: fall. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then I mean you, you look at I remember earlier in the year like the first, you know, October November when we're previewing teams um that St. Cloud was playing. I remember Mankato was this, Western Michigan was that, was this. Um probably not Wisconsin cuz Wisconsin sucked, but it was like their top 5 scores from last year all were gone uh, coming into this year. I think that's kind of, it's going to be sort of a norm. Uh, it's it's not going to be every year that you're just going to be returning your top scorers. Um, so as far as flight risks or guys that aren't going to choose to come back, I mean, look at your top five scores: Cranola, Cruikshank, Mietnan, Okabe, Kupka, and then we mentioned Anhorn and Peart. They're sort of six and seven. And then Ingram, let's let's go down to eight. So those are the, all the guys that with, with 20 points or more. We touched on Peart, He's going to be back, according to our neighborhood. Our favorite neighborhood um, insider. Insider, Al Appleby. Al, Al, and then Anhorn, again, unsure of his status, but I think he can come back. And let's say it, too. I mean, I, there was a non-zero chance he could say, I could make money playing pro. I mean, That's very true. So there was that possibility, too.
0: It's always tough after an injury like he had, right. but at the same I, I would time, doubt that, buy, but... buy low also. I mean,
1: correct. If
0: like by low as terms of a bidding war, but I mean, also Anhorn could be like, no, I don't want this offer. I want to prove that I can get more by having a good s- senior season. Right.
1: And he did the shotgun so. thing with the crutch. Like, I think he wants to come back. Uh, God, is that
0: can. a, what, why is that? Why is the shotgun thing with the crutch? Why is that a symbol of I'm coming back? like, <laughs> like is it like a little Gino Parrish in him is kinda what you're trying to say here with And the, he was rocking right?
1: the mullet. It was I could just tell. I have a good okay. intuition for this kind of oh, thing. All right. So uh but so these other guys, I mean Crookshank we mentioned, he's definitely gone. gone. This was his fifth year. You cannot get a sixth year. Um
0: Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> like not like Mitch Leitner.
1: Or no, uh, uh, Morgan.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, Tanner uh, Morgan. Sorry. Mitch Leitner he, was a few he, years
1: He's ago. doing the doctor's uh, medical school uh, The eighth-year
0: senior. Uh,
1: so he's he's gone. Cranola. so that leaves of these top eight, Cranola, Mietnin, Okabi, and Ingram. Ingram, I would assume, is coming back. I mean, is a high-ish draft pick, third round. And as you mentioned, like, Chalowski. Decided to ski-daddle after one year, even though it was clear. I think it's been demonstrably proven it was too early for him to to bolt because of his kind of foundering NHL career, pro career at this point.
0: At the um, same time, at that time, Detroit was incredibly bare.
1: That's true. So. Yes. He's not even, he's like bounced around a couple of times. Um, Last I heard he was up?
0: at Seattle, yeah. I
1: think he, he flamed out there, too. I think he, maybe in the Islanders? Farm system, we can check that. But um, f- from Ingram's perspective, we, yeah, we, I think I agree that we see the promise and we see a lot of potential there and we see improvement throughout the year. Also, we're talking about centers. Ingram did have some centering experience this year. Uh, mm-hmm. It was more earlier in the year, it was you know, 90% of the year he spent on the wing. Uh, But there is that possibility that he can play center, and I'm wondering, it might depend on who they're bringing in and then who they lose, whether or not we see Ingram uh, get some center play next year. But if we're putting, like, a percentage meter on it, I'd say, like, 80%, 85% sure that Ingram's back. Um, Yeah. And the others, I think, are less sure. I'll, I'll go with, like, the ones I think are more likely to stay, Mietman. Now, 36 point year looks pretty good, even through the kind of frustration that we have from time to time with Mietunin. Uh 36 points at, at the college level and on a good team um, is nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, yeah. And he's a drafted player with Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. I think the thing that keeps him here is his brother.
0: His brother. Werner, yep.
1: Werner Miettinen, who USHL this year, actually, I believe on Fargo. Uh, for their USHL team. And he looks to be on track to come in this fall. So I think the opportunity for V to play with his brother is going to be enticing enough for him to come back. So similar to Ingram, even though Viet- Vietnam has had a better career to date, just link- longevity wise and, uh, and all that, I would put the, let's less less than Ingram, let's say 80%. If I had Ingram at 85, I'd say 80% from Vietnam.
0: The um, the one wrinkle is like the fact that he is drafted by Toronto um, and he is a junior, which you see a lot of juniors sign because after their senior year, they have the option to become a free agent um, about 30 days or something after the season ends. So, yeah, I guess it depends really on how high Toronto values VT. Um, and judging by kind of a quick look at their depth and their prospect pool um, for Toronto, I would say that he's not at a huge priority to sign. So that's another reason I think that probably it would be a good idea, f- or that you know if he- that he'd be okay coming back
1: correct. Um, yeah this is but like that the, but yeah. that's also
0: uh kind of the big asterisk when it comes to Goldie with Bassey who is right. also drafted um I know we're not talking about goalies right now but we might as well just get it out of the way quickly him drafted by the Blackhawks as a junior you know they might lose his rights if he goes after his senior year and you know how highly he's valued at that I, I think there's no doubt right now that it's his net um right. coming in next year if he does come back um otherwise we're going to be in another situation like we were at the beginning of the year obviously it worked out this year but um you know we'll kind of see uh where that comes to you know maybe he comes back maybe not Uh, that one from a percentage i'm like 50 50 on that on Bassie, yeah
1: i would be more confident that he's coming back goaltenders just take forever to develop um in the nhl like and we don't see as much bolting. We see some like Devin Levi bolted and mm-hmm. went to to Buffalo, but he won the Richter last year. He's a Richter finalist this year. Like the elite,
0: he's at and an it's elite Buffalo. level. That,
1: who's not bad. Like they're our team of the future. Like they're in better shape than Chicago is. Um, yeah. Maybe not in net though, but or I'm saying, I don't even know who Chicago is goalie. Chicago is a dumpster fire franchise right now. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what Buffalo's long-term goaltending situation is or not. I wouldn't expect Levi to be like the starting goalie for Buffalo next year. Like I would still think he's like AHL guy, uh, but, uh, but you see guys like Ben Bishop, like who takes him to their 27, 28, 29 years old to get like a starting job. It takes forever to seem to get a starting job um, in, in the NHL. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's like the inverse of uh, Miettinen where, it's going to be harder for him to turn pro because Toronto is just kind of stacked roster wise, whereas Chicago not stacked roster wise, uh, and might have more of a willingness to offer him a deal. But like you said, I, I, I don't think he's at quite that Levi elite level. Um, and he wasn't even like the main starter this year. Like Castor got the majority of the action, uh, as it all played out. Uh, it would be more, he'd be more of a threat to leave had he been the main guy this year. Um, but, and I think the opportunity for him to be sort of the main guy next year will convince him to come back. So my, yeah, yeah. I would, if you're 50, 50, I'm well higher than that. I'd say like 75. Right. Uh, so that it comes down to like Cranle and Okabe, I, I would say are more closer 50, 50 to me. Like, and maybe I would even, I might even go under 50, 50. I'm like, Saying like a less positive that he's going to come back or less confident that he's going to come back would be Cranola, just because he led the team in scoring. Um, we've talked about how we don't see an NHL future for Cranola um, or Okabe, I would say, um, but you know, there's other leagues, other pro leagues than that, and and you can still develop too. It's it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility for sure, but. For Okabi, especially, like I, I see like Nolan Walker is like a, a decent like comparison yeah. there. Where I don't really think that Walker was ready, but I think he thought he was ready. Could see that maybe being the case with Okabi, um, and to a lesser extent, I don't think the Nolan Walker is like the perfect example with Cranola. But Cranola, I could see saying, "Yeah, I can, I can go pro in a European league closer to home," and 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 you know, make money, make, make a good uh payday that way. Um so those I think are the biggest two um flight risks um for guys that these are seniors, fourth year guys that can come back for a fifth year. Uh obviously it'd be huge if they did. Um perhaps the uh idea of Mietinin staying for his brother, perhaps that convinces Cranola and Orokabi to stick around as well. They want to keep around the international exchange line. Um, who knows? There, there might be a chain reaction uh, at play here. Where are you thinking, confidence-wise, when it comes to these two players, Cranola and Okabe? I mean,
0: I I don't know. Like the fact that I saw Cronulla and Meyer hug right at the end, and they were the last two to leave the ice. I mean, maybe you could say that was like a final goodbye for Meyer and and whatnot from, from Carla, but something just told me about how they left is that he was, he was done. Really? Um, But that was just from what I saw in the stands, no, any actual evidence or anything like that. Uh, Obviously I would love it. um, If he did come back, if we'd have, um, you know, that whole top line back, I think would be just massive for next year. But who knows on how, how that would affect also recruiting or people coming up or anything along those lines? Because, um, you know we've got um, you know some recruits who have been putting up some pretty good numbers here in the USHL. Like we we are gonna have to find room for them. So it's um, yeah, it's uh, you know, we've always I guess thought I've always was under the impression that it was the you know the players if they're they're welcome back if they want to come back but i wonder if larson's having some of these or where, where it's like if it's between having okabi back for another year or bringing in um you know gavin thorson or whatnot like that you know that that's going to be a tough decision to make in my opinion
1: i think next week so the we're gonna have a a show next week, and then the week following, uh, and then we're gonna to go to monthly shows for the summer. But or breaking news specials, or breaking news specials, or like, if like, uh,
0: maybe if we have a guest, I don't know. Yeah,
1: uh, we, 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 we have a better setup new, now. We can we have, have like, a new, like uh, podcast platform, which makes interviews easier. I was even thinking about that today. Some potential interviews. We're talking like about USHL guys. Al
0: Al Appleby. Should maybe we get Al, him on?
1: Get our neighborhood uh, favorite neighborhood uh, insider, insider. Um, but so. uh, I was thinking about uh, maybe reaching out to to my boy um, Tyson because doesn't he announce games in the USHL? Maybe he give us like a first hand uh, insight to some of these potential recruits. Just throwing it out there, but I don't want to get super in depth. Um, I, I was thinking like we can wrap up what we think are potential flight risks. this for the current roster maybe next week we can preview guys in the pipeline uh, that recruits that are potentially going to be here next year again not certain like Thorsen I think is going to spend a year in the USHL Um, but they they could fast track him too he's in the USHL currently as we speak like he he's been playing there since the high school season uh, ended he is quite young but they brought in a guy like Peart at 18 as well so it's Mm -hmm. not completely out of the realm of possibility that he comes in. But there are some guys like 20-year-olds, like yet uh, and seems to be coming in. And a couple of these, are, like, you look at the age. Uh, Mick Hatton has a good um, list on the rink live of their recruits and has their current stats. That's basically what I'm going by. Um, and we can maybe talk about that more in depth next week. And so we do want to – and by next week, I'm sure we're going to have answers to what some of these flight risks do. Uh, so we can maybe talk about that then, but just to wrap up here, we never, we kind of skipped over Kupka. I would put him at a pretty higher percent, a higher percentage than any of the international line guys. Um, I feel like he's just, and I I would be excited to see him play a fifth year. Uh, I think he really took a step up this year, uh, and would be excited to see him blossom into, like I said it uh, I don't know, a month or two ago, like have him have a Fitzgerald esque fifth year, you know, 35 points ish in that, in that realm. Um, I don't think that's unreasonable to expect. Um, so, uh, and I don't feel like he's going to get the kind of sniffs from the pros at this point, but who knows? I mean, uh, certainly a possibility. Like I said, it seems to be the norm now that your top four or five scorers are going to be gone, whether or not they're out of eligibility or not. we saw that Sasson from Western Michigan uh, bolted uh, after his sophomore season. He had two years left. I don't know if that means he's a third year or a second year player with the COVID year uh, involved, but he left with eligibility on the table. Uh, and so, and we're going to see more of those pro signings happen. You know, once, once the frozen the four is done and all these big 10 players, a uh, bunch of those guys are going to bolt uh, that next mm-hmm. Monday. Uh so uh, we'll definitely see then. So what what do you think in Koopka?
0: Yeah, I I mean I'll I'll I have no idea. I mean <laughs> that I could see him I could definitely see Koopka coming back. Um I would probably uh, you know kind of the same thing put them in that 75 80%age range is kind of where, where I put
1: um put them at and then so like spellacy's gone so you got yeah we got some some room here in, in the uh, forward position spellacy will be will be gone Crookshank, as i mentioned gone um you got chase brand who could come back for fifth year I don't think he's going to get many sniffs, um, for pro contracts. So I'd imagine he's going to be back. Um, treble. I mean, he's got a fifth year available to him. He's always a guy that sort of sort of flies under the radar, but, um, good player. And I would definitely like him back for a fifth year. Uh, I thought he had a good tournament, um, a good regional, uh, and would like to see him back. Um, so that's, I guess, another flight risk. You just look at all the fourth year guys. Like any of those guys are are threats to leave, but yeah, we'll see here uh, coming up. I mean, talking about Larson, this
0: I would, uh, yeah, I would imagine, I would imagine we'll know who from Saint Cloud hops into the transfer portal. And I'm saying that as like, there's bound to be someone. I mean, it's. I, I think we're just kind of at the but day there's and age. Not. Like if that's there's a not, huge that's surprise a, if there's
1: not. And that would be a huge plus in the Larson column. Mm-hmm. Cause that means that he's created a system where he's buying, he's got players buying in even guys that are fourth line, third line guys or guys that are getting part-time play, you know, that aren't cracking the lineup on a regular basis. Uh, it seems like inevitable that you're going to you know, like last year, Rocco and Lamaru left. Mm-hmm. Um but if it's someone, if it's guys in that sort of range, uh, I that would look pretty good on Larson's record. So, and so, also
0: yeah. like just you know when I was talking about how, as far as the transfer portal goes, you know, forty five minutes ago or however long it was, <laughs> when I when I was saying how like you know players need rights and you can't just you know whereas coaches can kind of do whatever they want and you know really punishing the players the transfer portal i think is needed we also don't know 100 percent of the story like we can't just assume that anybody who goes into the transfer portal is like they hated the system or hated the coach or you know there, there just could be a lot of different factors going on maybe it's You know, on either side, maybe a combination of both sides. Maybe it was an amicable split. It's just I think that kind of gets lost in the Twitter sphere where it's let's just get outraged um, that fill in the blank is wants to leave this program when it can mean. Plenty of other different things. So just uh, just try to keep that in mind and keep that in perspective to anybody who's, you know, if your favorite player comes up on the transfer portal in the next week or so. Don't uh, automatically assume what the reason is.
1: Right, I mean, some guys use it as a as a springboard um, to a better opportunity. There, I heard a interview, C H N podcast interview that um, our favorite coach from our favorite team, Lang from A I C, um, and he was talking about. Yeah, at the beginning, he was kind of frustrated because he's losing guys every year um, to the portal, but now he kind of he's like, I look at it as. I'm giving these guys an opportunity to go somewhere else like this Galambos um, that Western Michigan picked up last year. He was at AIC and he's sort of like, I'm fine with it because it seems like I'm doing a good job because I can spring them into a better, like sexier, more, more of a spotlight uh, situation. So he kind of has embraced it to the fact of, we know we're kind of a feederly here, but if they're, if I'm doing that and they're landing on their feet and performing that much more, Better in their new program. That means I must be doing something right too. So that's a good point. I think that's more from that like Atlantic Hockey um, standpoint, less so um, NCHC. But you know, if you if we're, if we're now in the era of Big Ten domination, um uh, maybe we have to embrace uh <laughs> Big Ten just scooping up all these guys left and right. Uh, that's the Michigan Tech coach's fear. So maybe he's maybe he's going to be born out. It's it's, he's going to be right. We'll see.
0: Well, um, we can, playing on that
1: big 10 plus it's just all that, yeah. all that extra, uh, all those extra eyeballs, uh, on big 10 plus.
0: <laughs> um, you know, we've had a few questions about this, so I might as well just, uh, kind of go right into questions now. Cause one of the questions from, uh, Matt Morissette, um, Are there any players we should be worried about uh, uh, leaving through the transfer portal? Um, I don't know if we want to talk about like worried about, or is there somebody maybe that you would think is a transfer portal risk? Like, would you see like a Kupka or, um, you know, maybe an Okabi in the transfer portal?
1: I would be more surprised with that. I would think a guy like a coin, someone that, didn't get regular work. Uh, and in his case was like bench for two months. I could see him saying, I, I want a place. Maybe he goes to like a CCHA or a um, Atlantic hockey team where he can get top six minutes. Like, sure, uh, I would be more, that would be my guess is we're going to get a guy like that to, to leave. Um, maybe even a guy with, with more, like I'm just trying to think of a, a maybe a more, a, a, a player that's a more of a regular player, uh, a chance to do that. I mean, Molinar really hasn't worked out very well for him here. Maybe he thinks that he can get more of an opportunity with, uh, uh, with a team that's going to give him some more yeah. consistent minutes. I'm
0: um, trying to think like who was kind of put to the side, who was um,
1: Rosborough. Uh, Rosborough Rosborough is a
0: little bit to the side as well. I mean, I would assume Rogers Seamer. is getting minutes. Um, is a good pick, especially like you're talking about Treble and Anhorn. If both of those come back, you know, Zemer might again be cloned for minutes. I could see him getting some really good minutes somewhere else. So I think, yeah, that's, uh,
1: I, you know, I just, w- I would be shocked if it's Okabi, Cranula, anyone in that, in, in in that top eight that we mentioned, if any of those guys leave via transfer portal, sure. I wouldn't be surprised if they leave to the pros, I'd be surprised if they left via the transfer portal. But I've been wrong before.
0: Mm-hmm. I also feel like even if you are like a coin, you know, just uh, you, you get one transfer. Like, you do you want to shoot it off this early? <laughs> you want to see kind of where it goes, maybe prove your worth? Then I don't know. I mean, again, we're not in the locker room, so it's all a lot of speculation there. Um, you know, if, if any players in the portal uh, that we should target, um, you know, portal's changing every day. Um, so I kind of look at it as positions, and I think again, center is where we need it the most. Um, because right now, if um, if Cronulla leaves, we only have one center,
1: one center, back. and well, and maybe Ingram. If, yeah, if you're, counting, if, if, if you're yeah, counting Ingram as...
0: as yeah, if you're counting Ingram as a center, which I would like to keep him at wing. I think um, so, too. Uh, but, I, I, I mean, and that one center is Salquist, And we all know how I have felt about Salquist on this
1: podcast at times. Right.
0: So, yeah, I mean, you're, that's... You're,
1: you're Splacy's gone. Crookshank's gone. Those two are definitely gone. And then, mm-hmm. as you said, if Granola leaves, that's another right. center down. So, so. That's yeah if you want uh, uh, to and line. and
0: if you want me to throw out a name camberg um was just from uh from omaha was just listed as being in the portal i think that would be um uh somebody i think he was in what top five top six of omaha scoring so i mean he's i, I think he has some um opportunity there and familiarity with the nchc knows what that's about so i think that's an option
1: yeah, the Rink Live has a um, a running, updated spreadsheet sort of thingy. Uh, Sydney Wolf and uh, Schlossman are sort of collabing uh, on that, updating it frequently. It's been updated today when I checked it. it that's got to, it's a very nice resource if you want to uh, keep apprised of the movement in and out of that portal. Uh, so check that out if you're interested. Cause they'd say like the portal itself isn't like public knowledge, but people like Brad and Sydney seem to just be on top of this stuff and, and others too. Um, like that McMahon from CHN is also, uh, he's posted some stuff on CHN about it. So, um, somehow they're getting the information and, uh, it is, it's nice to kind of be able to have a one-stop shop to tr- track all the movements. So check out that rink live. Um, Feature uh, if you wanna if you wanna uh, check out all the names on there.
0: Yeah, and it's a Google Doc too, so I mean it's laid out really well with um, conferences and everything and along those lines. And, and
1: yeah. yeah, see how the point spreads are and, and all that good mm-hmm. stuff. So, um,
0: and then we got a lot of questions here. Um, you know, some of these um, uh, we've already touched on. So, thank you for your question. Um, so, uh, uh, Clint ask uh, who stays and who goes, kind of give you our thoughts on those. Um, uh, Dana Wessel, why does everything still hurt? Um, I think that's, uh, I mean, that could actually probably be the title of this podcast yeah. is just the, the, why does everything still hurt podcast? Because, uh, St. Cloud can't have nice things. Um, especially ever since the press burned down, we can't have nice things. So, <laughs> it's um but uh yeah it uh it hurts um hopefully it hurts less if
1: uh BU wins
0: you know usually i'm very much in the i want to lose to the best team not in this situation
1: not in this case not not this case. and you're not also like another one i don't like is we got to root for the minnesota teams oh no f f that, that. <laughs>
0: Oh my God! I don't even get the people who are like, let's root for the conference for conference. Like, yeah, I don't like, like it's like you would never do that for someone else. I would never root for the Colorado Avalanche to to win anything. it's just strictly a college hockey. It means you're
1: it means you're rooting for rivals.
0: Rivals, Hmm. no, don't do that. Everyone, just knock that off. Actually, (laughs) Let's, let's let's get rid of any of this preconceived like well at least it's from minnesota no that's who you're recruiting against definitely bad um along the same line uh dan jacobson friend of the show were you surprised by the howard transfer um i was i was surprised by it and it's kind of like really surprising to me that a lot of the discourse i saw along the lines of minnesota duluth fans were like That's a bummer, but he, yeah, wasn't really a great fit. And I was just like, that's kind of surprising to me that, you know, a highly touted first round pick was not a great fit. for." Like, I guess I didn't watch enough of him or enough of his game um, to kind of see exactly what they meant, which is weird since we played, you know, Minnesota Duluth so many times throughout the season. But I was just
1: like, he scored a goal or two against the Huskies too. But yeah. yeah, for the most part, he was kind of quiet and he couldn't really figure, you know, he he didn't make a great splash when I watched him. Um, Mm. but yeah, I I guess it's, he just a flashy offensive player doesn't fit in with the doesn't fit. Uh, Yeah. um, But yeah, just to, and he's
0: going to Michigan. He's going to Michigan. Isaac
1: Isaac Howard, who was the first run draft pick for last year by the lightning, I believe, uh, uh, and played for Duluth this year as a freshman. And, um, Transferred to Michigan State, who he played under that Nightingale, who was the former NTDP coach, the U18 coach last year. So he has experience with with Nightingale. Seems like the people that, when they covered this, uh, the national folks said that that made a lot of sense. Like this Nightingale obviously has inroads with the national team development players that have played there, and so. Uh, they sort of saw the writing on the wall once he once he announced that he was in the portal. It sort of was like a matter of time until we heard that Michigan State scooped him up. So, yeah, I was surprised from Duluth's end um, that they that they were weren't able to uh, stick around. He wasn't able to stick around, or he wanted out. Um, but uh, I don't know how big of a loss that is. Maybe he's he's a Chalowski type and he doesn't really develop into a star player that a first round draft pick would suggest, but you know, that's some more offense uh, that Duluth will have to try to replace. Uh, we'll see what they do with it.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, not been easy for Duluth uh, not, for, for, not for it, the it offense. So, um, uh, we talked a little bit about Dylan Anhorn, but, uh, how amazing would it have been, um, you know if he does come back, if he would have played with how Pierce has been playing, I think that would have been a really interesting maybe a little bit of too many eggs in one basket. But if you put uh Pierce and Anhorn on a line on a defensive pairing together, I think uh, uh that puck would be moving out of the zone pretty dang quickly. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. so so okay. hopefully we can uh yeah, benchmark that for next year. So Let's that's hope. that's what I'm hoping for. Um uh, Alex Fern, uh, not really a question, but thanks for everything you did this year, especially for us at KVSC. Thanks for helping with our fundraiser. Hope to interact you with you guys more next season. Um, so uh, it's thank too you. Nice. It's way. Yeah, too yeah. Nice. that's bring that's some that's fire next time. Yeah, not, that, that's not about what we're like here.
1: and good manners. Like, bring your hot takes and bring yeah. your vitriol and bring your vile, your your bile to this show, please. <laughs>
0: Your vile bile. Bile. Um. So anyway, uh, thanks, Alex. Um, you know, Alex and Brian do a great job there on KVSE. Um, my mom has even said that. So you know, when you get my mom, get them uh, on the show. We're talking
1: about Tyson. Maybe get these guys on the show. Hey,
0: there we go. We can. Uh, we maybe we can work with them. Uh, see, I don't know any any. I'd have to think of some questions, but
1: uh, no, yeah. we, we come in completely unprepared.
0: I mean that's that's true. We do we do very show little prep? show prep.
1: Shrugging shoulders uh, emoji.
0: That's why you guys have had so many awkward pauses. Is because we just don't care that much about show prep. So, um, and then there were a few questions. Uh, Brandon had one. Mule truck had one. Um, and uh, Craig Hendricks had one as well. Um, uh, basically. Uh, kind of coming down to, uh, our ice situation. Uh, so basically, um, on Twitter, there were a couple of tweets from various institutions. Um, I think, uh, one was Northern Michigan. One was Minnesota. Um, talking about how they're all shrinking their, um, girthy arenas, girthy rinks to a, uh, hybrid style, um, uh with so
1: shrinking the girth i think yeah. should be that's a title of a podcast i think one <laughs> you'll want it right there <laughs>
0: so it's de- um
1: de girthifying de girth-a-fizing. <laughs> the that's, ice
0: that sounds like a a bad 90s infomercial prog- product <laughs> <laughs> like so like the, after uh, after the girls gone a wild infomercial, you'll It'll have be the hawked deep by girthons. Billy Mays. Right. Like, exactly. A clean uh, okay. So um and so yeah, um, a lot of talk about uh the ice. Basically St. Cloud and, and nearly a class of its own, um, along with the uh, University of Alaska will be the last two programs that have uh two hundred by one hundred. There are a couple of programs. Uh, Wisconsin's at 200 by 97 at the Kohl Center. Um, and then... The, and then
1: these, like, Gophers is going, like, 92
0: 92, wide. I or think. maybe
1: 94 is... Northern, 90, Michigan, Northern is, Michigan is, is
0: 94. So, yeah, there...
1: That, that seems to be... And New Hampshire also a scaled down. They used to be Olympic size, but it seems like if you're scaling down, you're doing a, a hybrid style or a hybrid yeah. size. Man and I wonder if it's well. just...
0: So it looks less awkward that you're having seven and a half feet of leg room in the front row, <laughs> like you now well, up against I, the N- boards. Kato
1: solved that by putting like uh, temporary bleachers, or it's like metal seats for like the first two rows, um, where where it used to be the rink. Um, they just put some extra seating there, uh, which yeah, it's more revenue, right? Uh, I don't think that they would just be. That, that that new space that they cleared out would just be unused you can put something there did um, they go
0: lower than yeah. in Mankato there
1: yeah it's Denver I think was I think Denver also scaled it back years ago because when I sat there I sat in like third row for one of the games out there it's like the, the first three rows were like a metal like they could fold back um, and the steps were hardly any like this the, the Difference like it was almost like a trip hazard because like the regular concrete steps had like a certain height to the risers, but then when you get to the metal part, it's much smaller. So you could just tell they sort of jammed that in there once they expanded the, the or shrank the rink size and expanded the seating capacity a little bit. But I don't, yeah, you could figure out a way to to, to move around that, but but yeah, I in St. Cloud's perspective. The time is probably overdue uh, yeah. for this.
0: Uh, I mean, for,
1: for at least the the replacement of the ice. I've I've been on the record saying that you should get rid of Olympic ice for a lot of reasons, not not limited to, but including recruiting, which I think some people scoff at. Like a recruit's going to make a decision on where he's going to play based on the rink size. But the more that these Olympic sheets become unicorns. Um, that's just one extra bullet against a team, um, to, for a recruit, especially if they have like NHL aspirations, do you really want to play on a rink? That's you know a little bit bigger than what you plan on playing for in your professional career. I think for the most part though, it's replacing the refrigeration system, which I believe was the, yeah. the main reason that Northern Michigan announced that they are Uh, re-hauling the rink size. So if you're going to have to replace the refrigeration system, you might as well shrink the rink at the same time. Um, And it makes sense to do that. I would put it on the record. I'll say, so we got the next Olympics in 2026. So 2026, 30. By 2034, they will not play Olympic hockey on Olympic ice. Olympic ice is, I think, de- go- it's going extinct as a thing, which yeah. is really which is really interesting. Like, do you remember early 90s, mid-90s? Olympic ice was so cool. Everyone yeah. loved the idea of Olympic ice. Uh, and the history of why St. Cloud has the Olympic ice, why it's called the National Hockey Center, is because it was deemed as, is built and opened in 89. So this is on the heels of the Miracle on Ice. And college, the major, the main primary function of college hockey at that point was to field the Olympic team. And they thought that St. Cloud would be a training ground for the Olympic team. That's why they put two sheets in there, both Olympic size. Um, and in 1989, that was a really smart move. But it's funny how a really brilliant idea one day. 30 years later becomes a completely outdated idea uh, mm-hmm. and one that you need to replace pronto. Uh, and the problem there is money. Now, uh, now when we
0: say pronto too, I mean uh, the refrigeration system in general is on its last
1: right. Year and, all, and a half, need, all we need to, to prove to that is I just mean. go through, we need to make a, a super cut of the, um, <laughs> nets being knocked the off the nets
0: being knocked off yeah because
1: i think i i like your your theory there is that it's it's due to the ice not being able to to properly more the pegs uh i i think that's that's the main culprit to so many uh so many of those net uh getting the, the net getting knocked off so often so yeah that's that's i mean it's it's only like they don't make it's something like they don't manufacture the refrigerant anymore uh and so you can't like it's it's a ticking clock at this point, like you literally can't that ice will not be able to be um maintained within a year, two three, yeah, whatever it is, it's a short relatively short time period that that needs to be replaced, so that all takes money that talking about like a Larson situation. Money that St. Claude doesn't have. Um, Well, we had to
0: bribe the refs. We had to try to bribe the refs (laughs) at the the, uh, Minnesota game. (laughs)
1: Yeah. God, that's so good.
0: Uh, But at the same time, we can go to the state. I mean, the state is surplus right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Personally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of sports subsidized by governments, but this is a special case in that it's a college. Uh, It's not a pro team here. I think that's your only hope. Um, and. So you got to sort of beg the beg the uh, state Senate to uh, uh, earmark some funds. Uh, and I think you could make up a compelling case. Like I said, like there was a ticking clock here on the rink itself. Are, are you going to just leave St. Cloud State out in the cold, no pun intended, in the not so cold, we should say, ice on the, uh, the, the, the rapidly melting ice uh, at the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center? I mean, maybe they're not going to earmark the funds to get everything. Like you want to shrink the rink. You want to maybe get new boards, the seamless glass. Uh, There's a lot of upgrades uh, that the herb could use. You might not get all of that. I would shoot for that and at least settle for getting a new refrigeration system and shrinking the ice. Uh, I think those would be your two big priorities. Everything else would be gravy, but from a sustainability standpoint that the ice itself, the refrigeration Mm -hmm. system absolutely positively needs to be changed. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's the uh, theory, right? Or that's the method. Uh, You shoot for the moon and uh, but just accept like you you over ask and then, but you just, at least you're getting what the the bare necessity of what you need. And as you said, the state's got a surplus to handle. So I would hope you gotta get that on that they're not gonna have a surplus every year. So please get <laughs> on that. Sure. Like let's let's get the wheels moving here and uh let's yeah. let's get this done. We saw that um Western Michigan. I was surprised to see that there uh there's plans there to build a new facility for them. I mean if That's that happens off campus, right? I think it's like I think it is off campus, but from what I was reading, it's not it's not a situation where it was like where world arena was in, in Colorado Springs where it's significantly like half hour drive off campus. This is close by. Um, but if that happens, I mean the only, the only saving grace for the herb not being the worst facility in the NCHC is the, is Lawson in Kalamazoo. Well, if they get a new facility, then St. Cloud slides to last place in facilities, uh, and again, when it comes to recruiting uh does not matter if it's Olympic ice or just the the building you're at compared to the other buildings in this league uh it's gonna put you at more of a disadvantage than you already are at now so uh yeah let's uh let's hopefully get that done um it, it ain't my tax money anymore, I suppose so I, I guess <laughs> it's it easy
0: be. when you're spending somebody else That's some right. other state's tax money um incorrect. now you know. The reason why I earlier brought up with uh, Minnesota State and if they lowered it um, to add those two extra bench rows of seating or whatever they did end up adding is that uh, basically that's not an option for St. Cloud State. We can't lower. We can't go any lower. The water table is there for the river. We can't. So we're kind of stuck there. That's, I think, why the refrigeration system is where it is and why
1: it's not as deep.
0: Um, underneath the maybe ice you can
1: put some sort of like standing room for the students kind of section there if you expand that you know like they're doing like a beer garden um in the uh, where the gift shop used to be right do something like that maybe not a beer garden because like you want like students to be there but maybe do something dog pound a when i was
0: in college we turned the dog pound into our own beer garden <laughs> But it was not called the beer garden it was, was called going, the was, soco Zone.
1: I was gonna say like it wasn't necessarily beer garden um Man. it was whatever I could fit into my twenty ounce bottle of uh mountain dew
0: that pe- whatever know. Pepsi product yeah yes. uh, so but, yeah. Uh,
1: oh, my yeah, friend. i mean there's Did I ever
0: tell you about the story when my friend brought soco in the uh Pepsi bottle and brought that in it's like you're not hiding Soko. I'm sorry. Like the smell. Anytime you open the cap was like three sections over everyone. It's like, <laughs> Oh, yep. I know that smell.
1: And it smells like Leonard Skinnerd. Yeah. Uh, yes. So yeah, let's, uh, let's get so, this money. I mean, uh, let's get the state to pay for this. And, um, cause I Husky's think moving. my
0: idea, like if we were to shrink the ice a little bit, I mean, Reangle the lower bowl, take out all the seating, add new seating, and and then all of a sudden I'm just God, spending a like, lot of money.
1: Sense. The seating needs There's... to
0: change too because that seating's
1: yeah gross. That, again, that's what you should. That's what you put into the proposal to the state. Yeah, is you want the refrigeration system, shrink in the ice, new boards, new seamless glass, take out all the first deck seating ever, all of it, uh, and replace it. Try to get whatever you're trying for phase two. Remember that? Maybe that's the other problem. Like, we're still yeah. technically on phase two of the renovation. Uh, which is, like, that should be the title of this podcast. The phase two that never comes. But add all that on there. Um, again, you're not... The title not of the podcast of it, is probably
0: going to something along the lines of the Minnesota game. <laughs> that, <laughs> well, the actual game we recapped this episode and not it'll random be you No, know, the tangent. title
1: will be... The title of the podcast is, and then we just list off all the ones that we proposed. <laughs> it'll, it'll be like a short story just in the title yeah, of the podcast.
0: Just right there. Because every, what everybody loves is just reading more things
1: <laughs> in correct. our
0: TLDR world. So, But yeah, it, I mean, because my idea, think of it this way. Picture this. Yeah, take out all the seating. You shrink the ice, right? And then the you fir- just the
1: first deck seating,
0: first deck. Yep, yep. Um, the and then if you level. take take out all, all all the seating, I think it's just adding more concrete at that point, and you can move all everything closer and angle it. And then even like on the top of the deck, have like a standing room bar rail type thing. So instead of having like the standing yeah. room along the back wall, which have you it on still a, keep too. Which you could, well, I I I wouldn't want. I would want that like closer to the.
1: It would be an option, is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, me,
0: like I, I I would just like that push, so like people would be walking behind you in the standing room instead of.
1: Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's definitely better.
0: Because I think in my head, at least. If you're moving that back, I think you'd still be able to see if you're in the first or second row of the top that you will still be able to see beyond that.
1: Yeah, I I would think so. I I used to sit in the second row of 203. And that was so the first row was like a step down. Mm -hmm. And then the the second row was like a step up. So the first row was not in our way at all. But. So even from there from that vantage point it if someone was standing right right in the front of warriors you're, what you're proposing I don't think that that would be an issue perhaps I mean I had I guess I'd have to sit in the seat and have someone have a dummy stand there uh, to see if it would it's potential could be a problem but I, I think you, I think it wouldn't be an issue it might be an issue though for that first row of the 203 or the the second sure. section 'Cause then it, they're a little lower, so I'm not sure. You already but have that annoying bar
0: going across anyway.
1: That's right. That's that is <laughs> so
0: great. it's already obstructed.
1: So I just see great. it
0: a little bit more. So but anyway. Uh that is all of the questions. So um that about does her. On the uh, last uh, uh recapping the last uh
1: oh, I, one yep. more thing. I I got. I said I got receipts. um, Okay. For our bit, uh, the predicting the field uh, the January first. Oh shit! I'll recap it quickly. You no, no. You like this because you win. You win.
0: Oh really? Even with my uh, Michigan State crap. Yep.
1: (laughs) Uh, So you, we each. I got eleven of the sixteen correct. You got twelve of the sixteen correct. Uh, We. I missed on North Dakota. I did not have, or I, I, I picked, these are the teams that I picked that did not make the field. North Dakota, Hockey East was just a bloodbath. Providence, yeah. UMass, I all had those teams. Oof. And then I, and then I picked RIT to come out of Atlantic Hockey. Uh, those are the five that I missed. I So I would have missed Western Michigan, did not have them, did not have Michigan Tech, uh, did not have Canisius out of Atlantic Hockey. Didn't have, and then Colgate and Cornell out of ECAC. You also missed on Canisius, Colgate, and Cornell. By the way, we never mentioned this, four teams from ECAC. It's tied with the Big Ten for the most teams in the tournament. Wow. Uh, now, you got Quinnipiac coming out of the Frozen Four, but um, Colgate certainly didn't uh, didn't appear to be all that to, competitive. Yeah, uh, didn't do anything. Any yeah, fans. we would have, like, live-streamed that game in part two on our last podcast, the 11 to one game that I think at the start of the podcast, it was six to one. And then it was we're like, oh, they scored again. Because that, you know, that major penalty that Michigan had, we're like, oh, they got a major, they've scored three times on it. It's kind of thinking like, God, they're kind of running the score up here. But I didn't realize that uh, Colgate like uh, butt ended a guy, It's just a cheap shot. So Michigan just said, "You know what? We're gonna run the score up on you." You want it was uh, it was on Sam Skavitch too, one of their best players. That's ice cold. Uh, <laughs> Colgate's like a once a decade tournament team, and you're gonna beat them eleven to one, and and send out your top power play unit in the third period up nine on them. That's ice. It's almost ice cold. That it's almost so ice cold that I. <laughs> I almost am, I almost like it. I, maybe it's because I, I just finished watching The the Last Dance, the, uh, the Michael Jordan documentary. Oh, yeah. That's like something MJ would do. Like, yeah, that's true. If you want a head but, or butt end uh, Scotty Pippen, like I'm going to drop 70 points on you in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Uh, and so, all right, I sidetracked again. Yeah, so you missed those three, the Canisius, Colgate, and Cornell, which I also missed.
0: To be fair, and, like I don't think either of us should really count the Atlantic Hockey.
1: I mean, yeah, we're we're we are kind of just throwing a dart there, so. uh, and and we picked RIT, which was the top team in, in Atlantic Hockey oh. at that point. So, but um, so you missed those three, and then you also missed Mankato. I had Mankato, and it did not have Tech.
0: And you I had, had tech. tech,
1: did not have Mankato, um, which was interesting. And then you also, I like I said, I had UND, Providence, UConn, and UMass. And RIT as the teams that did not make the field. You had Michigan State as you mentioned, Providence and UConn from Hockey East. You missed out on, and then RIT as as gotcha. noted before. Um, but also, just like I, I remember saying into the show, like I went through the top ten pairwise. I said all the top ten is going to make it, like they're locks to me, and that was correct. One through ten at the January first, New Year's Day, top ten all made it. But then below that, starting at 11, UConn, Providence, Michigan State, Western Michigan, Cornell, and Notre Dame. So those are the top 16. So maybe the lesson here is top 10 is golden. But then beyond that, it's certainly not – you have not clinched a spot. And
0: uh, to be – to be fair, when you say golden top 10, I mean, and that includes Merrimack made it really six, close
1: six at New Year's and they had to sweat it out to the very end just yeah. to make it um, pretty much but, everybody else was a lock several weeks before the conference tournament. So Merrimack was the one iffy team of the top 10, but I know we want to keep ourselves uh, we, we want to keep ourselves honest. A little and bit. Return to our predictions. Yeah, and they my turn out to be wrong. I
0: suppose I, I like throw you under the bus when you are like uh, bringing up predictions. Like, oh, I don't want
1: to do that. Yeah, uh,
0: but at the same time, I am the one who criticizes us show for always having their scores listed as three to two after on their predictions segment because <laughs> it's like you are not keeping track of the actual scores. All your scores are always three to two, uh, like why are you doing that? Oh, it just annoys me.
1: And and even, I would say even your misses were better than mine. Like UMass for a miss for, for me was way off. They were like late. They might've even been in the thirties in pairwise as it turned out, but your misses were, you know, Providence and Yukon, which were right on the outside. Michigan state, I think was the last team out. To be um, fair.
0: I didn't love the Michigan state pick when I did it. I remember that. I know. <laughs>
1: I was really having you were yeah sweating over that one, and you didn't think that it was it was correct, Uh, but um, but yeah, just wanted to circle the or square the circle on that one. Um,
0: and I forgot to bring up a tweet, um, as well from uh, Adam Woden, um, and uh, Nate Wells, um, who kind of put up some interesting points, and I want to tie this also to. You know, our worries about St. Cloud State, how we were playing down the stretch. Um, basically, Penn State coming down was 4 10 and 1 coming into the NCAAs. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously take care of their first round match and go to overtime there um, in their second uh, against the high powered Michigan squad. Uh, and then Nate Wells said that uh, Harvard was 14 2 and 1 in their last 17. Before getting absolutely trounced. um, So, I mean, just, yeah, however you go into the tournament. And that goes kind of to your point, too, that in a one-game situation, just throw everything out the window because anything can happen. And that's even proved here this year. Right. That it's doesn't really matter.
1: And And I think from this year and last year, we can talk about this. If if one's the fluke, two's a coincidence, maybe we're just at the coincidence phase, but this might turn into a trend next year. But similar to last year, pretty chalky tournament so far. Three one seeds make the Frozen Four, just like they did last year. And this year, the two seed is the best of the two seeds. They're the fifth overall seed. Similar to last year, we had three number ones, and I think the Gophers were the sixth overall, I'm going to say. Um, maybe they were lower than that. I thought they were the two seed, but... I might be wrong, but they definitely had three uh, number ones uh, in there. And last year was the first year since the Holy Cross year that, or I guess the year before the Holy Cross year, that a four seed did not beat a one seed. Um, But it happened again this year with Cornell beating Denver. But other than that, fairly chalky tournament. I mean, you had one one versus two in Fargo. You had one versus two in uh, Allentown. He had one versus three, and that was Ohio State at nine, the best three seed pairwise, in Bridgeport, and then he had the one versus four, with Cornell in Manchester. But lots of, um, lots of it, you know, a lack of upsets, and that's what we had last year. Maybe this this feeds into the Michigan Tech coach saying that this is uh, the big schools and um, Big Ten domination and resources and blah 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 maybe it's not the parody that we've come to come to think uh maybe it's it's more when it comes to the one seeds they're gonna finish the job more often we'll see i don't know if you have any comment on that but i just wanted to throw that out there and we could talk about it more next week when we are closer to the frozen four
0: now that's uh that's a good point um Min- minnesota was six in the pairwise last year there were six Sorry.
1: overall yep. okay fair, so fair. Uh, very similar to this year then.
0: Okay. Yep. Well, now that about does her. Uh,
1: this episode desert.
0: the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Uh, I'm Weldy at More Clappers, M-O-A-R, More Clappers. And, Andrew, you can reach him by email
1: at Huskies Hockey Podcast at gmail.com. Right. Send me an email.
0: Perfect. We will be back next week um, and the week after and then sometime throughout the summer. Uh, we'll, we'll check hands Depends
1: in. on if Grampade can, can return my phone calls.
0: Exactly. So, all right, perfect. And until next time, go Huskies. Woo!